The Power Trip is a proud member of the Kaiju Ramen Podcast Network. You can find more, more phenomenal Kaiju and Tokusatsu content at kaijuramenmedia.com. What's up, everyone? It is JDF, the Green Ranger, and you are listening to The Power Trip. It's morphin' time. Lisa! Listeners with Attitude, I'm Michael. And I'm Nathan. And we're continuing our journey through the Power Rangers franchise. In today's episode, we're discussing Power Rangers Ninja Storm. So I'm going to beat you to it, Nathan, before you even get started. Oh. Pow- Power Rangers Naruto. Oh, I already made that joke last episode. Well, I'm going to cut you off before you get into that same joke again. <laughs> yeah, we're getting to a point, I feel like, in the franchise where <laughs> they're following trends instead of making trends instead of setting trends, but that's the nature of just about every franchise. Yeah. We all get to that point. Yeah. We, we all like every major franchise gets to the point. It gets to that point at some, at some time during its yeah. run. Godzilla, that's, James Bond. They all did it. They all revolutionized yeah. their respective genres. And then they started following the trends. Yeah. It's, it, it makes total, it makes total sense. It, it does. Um, and we are squarely now if there was any debate last episode if we were in the middle of a disney season we are squarely in the middle of the disney era now oh for sure (laughs) wild force was the transitional season Mm -hmm. this is 125 percent Disney Channel. Yeah, for sure. For, for yeah, for Disney sure. XD to be more specific, although this aired on ABC and ABC Family. Yeah, but it still feels like it like you could have you could have reasonably told if we didn't know that already, you could have reasonably told me that this aired on Disney XD and I would have believed you if I didn't know any better. Yeah, although I think this predates Disney XD. It probably it does. Feels, I, but it I feels like it. I was starting I was starting to age out a little bit by the time Disney XD came along. So, um, you know, I was I, I just wasn't watching a lot of Disney programming during this time period in, of my life. So, like I said, you could have you could have easily told me this came up this this showed on uh Disney XD and I and I probably would have believed you if I didn't know any better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, we need to get started with you know Naruto, Power Rangers, Naruto. Believe it, you know, all that fun stuff. You knew <laughs> yeah. I had to throw it in there. I so. know, I know. But you know, just Ninja Storm is just really one of those seasons, and I'll, I'll get into this later. But it's just what it's it's one of those seasons that has kind of perplexed me uh, during my watch through the franchise. I, I see a lot. I I see what they're going for, but 
you know what? I'm just I'm just gonna save it for later on in the yeah, show when we talk about we, we talk about thematics. I don't want to get into it much here. I'm sure we'll be plant like we usually do. We'll be planting some seeds, you know, doing this thing throughout the episode. But it's what we do. Yeah, we we try to plant seeds throughout the episode uh, to talk to when we uh, you know leading up to thematics. But there's one other thing we also do, and that's read iTunes reviews. And this particular iTunes review comes in from uh, our listener, TJ. Uh, The title of the the review is Amazingly Good. uh, And it's a four-star review. And it reads like this. I want to say great, but I have to say good. As much as I love listening to coherent and interesting people talk about my childhood obsession, why does it sometimes come across as condescending and and a soapbox to boast personal credentials and remind people where you are, uh, where you are in life? It's a kid's show. You want to discuss the plot hole. If you want to discuss the plot holes and consistency, do Sentai. And then uh, the reviewer goes on to just point out that, you know, maybe we should, uh, uh, you know, spend less time being on soapboxes and especially about a kid's show. Um, So I personally think that this is a this is a fair review. Uh, We appreciate this, TJ, for 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 sending this. You didn't uh, obviously you you didn't have to give us four stars. You we really, really appreciate that. And we appreciate you listening. Um, I know we tend to get a little bit soapboxy, you know, both Nate and I, we, we, we're, we're going to probably get a lot more soapboxy than what we have been in the past. Um, just because of the nature of certain seasons that are coming up. I'm looking at you Megaforce. Um, but we, we try to at least, uh, be approach them with fair with, with, with some amount of fairness. So, but yeah, we, we don't want to come off as Nate or I don't want to come off as preachy or, you know, like we're being too braggadocious about our credentials because honestly, at the end of the day, we're just fans and we don't. And honestly, we, we, if we ever come off like that, we don't mean to, we're just probably getting a little bit too excited, uh, or a little bit too, uh, what's the word? Nate exuberant. Maybe is a, is a yeah. good word. <laughs> ranty ranty yeah a little ranty we can we can be a little ranty i understand that and that's not for everybody i i totally realize that um you know being a little ranty and getting on a soapbox every now and that's that's not for everybody and we're gonna you know we'll we'll try to kind of curtail those tendencies going forward but i just want to just say thank you to our friend tj here for leaving us a four-star review we really do appreciate it and honestly we just appreciate really honest feedback so if you listeners with attitude want to uh leave us a review that we can read out on the podcast please do so by heading over to itunes and leaving that for us you can also send feedback to powertrippod at gmail.com or uh, look us up on Twitter. We're there too. If you want to send your feedback there, we'd be more than happy to read that on a future episode of the podcast. So yeah, we've been having some fun nerding out with some of our listeners on Twitter. Oh yeah. We, we have some great listeners. We have some great fans. And I, and I really hope that, uh, TJ is one of our, one of our fans. He's one of our, he sounds like he's been one of our faithful listeners and we appreciate that, but we've also had a ton of other, uh, listeners as well. Uh, the gentleman who, 
is apparently a counselor and says he's going to use some of the things that we talk about in our thematic discussion <laughs> when he's when he's counseling uh, kids. I think it's what he mentioned, right, Nate? He was he was yeah he, yeah that is what, uh, that yes that's what he said. And I, actually, you know, spoiler warning: I think our thematic discussion for this will be applicable. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So, yeah, listeners with attitude, we just really appreciate um, any feedback you give us, positive or otherwise, because this show is not going to get better without it. So with that said, we have to uh, transition into something else we do really well for this podcast, Nate, and that is the epic plot synopsis. Cue the epic rock music. Ancient scrolls belonging to an ancient ninja academy foretell of three students who would be chosen above the others as Power Rangers. But after the evil space ninja and brother of the school sensei, Lothar attacks the school, kidnaps the students, and turns his brother into a guinea pig, those chosen turn out to be three undisciplined pupils. With the disgraced Lothar determined to rule the world, the unlikely heroes and three new allies assume ranger forms amidst storms of ninja thunder and samurai varieties. You know, it just dawned on me something when you were reading that plot synopsis. What's that? That the fact that Lothor turned his brother into a guinea pig <laughs> is kind of a rep is kind of an analogy for how Disney is treating Power Rangers right now. <laughs> Because they're wa- uh, they're walking up to the franchise and saying, "Your mother was a guinea pig." <laughs> no, that's that that's not what I mean. But that's not what I mean. What I mean by that is, like like we said at the top of the show, we're we're squarely into the in the Disney era. This is early in the Disney era, but we're squarely it's in the like Disney series one point five. Yeah, something like that. But because they got it halfway through, they just oh through Wild Force. So maybe, maybe Ninja Storm is 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 Disney's guinea pig for Power Rangers. Does that make sense? Ooh, I almost hit the button for that one, but nah, that's not a joke. That's that's not a joke. No, I'm being deadly serious. Uh, because. You know, Ninja Storm is a really interesting season. I know I say that all the time. It's an interesting season. It's like one of my things that I say. <laughs> it really is an interesting season because it does do some things <clears throat> that we see refined later in it, the franchise. It's in a way, I guess it's weirdly experimental in a lot of ways. I don't think the experiments all work, but... You know, we're getting ahead of ourselves a little well, bit. That's the, well, that's kind of the nature of experimentation, too. Like if you you, yeah. you 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 do things and you see if it works out and then you if it works, then you keep doing the thing. If it doesn't work, you you pivot, you, mm-hmm. you anchor, you find a place to anchor and then you pivot. Um, I think that's kind of what's happening with Power Rangers under the leadership of Disney uh, at this point. And, you know, that kind of. Like I want to plant, like we said, we talk about planting seeds. I want to kind of plant that seed now because I'm sure it'll come mm-hmm. back in our thematic, dis- in our thematic discussion later on. So, mm-hmm. um, but, but before- it's funny. It's funny that you bring that up because Disney was going to cancel power Rangers after wild force. Interesting. Mm-hmm. That is so interesting. Yeah, but you know what saved it in the long run? What? New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, because how cheap it was. Looterland saved it because apparently it's cheaper to film in New Zealand than 
California, which makes no sense because you got to fly to New Zealand. I don't understand, but okay. Okay. (laughs) I mean, it's yeah. They like, this is the first time I think up until God, they may, they, this is the first time they started doing, um, filming in new. They they started with wild force. They started with wild force. Right. Okay. So, um, I mean, but they've been doing, they, they've had kind of this tradition of filming in New Zealand ever since. Cause I think even Dino Fury uh, is filmed in New Zealand, correct? I'd have or to they, look that up. I know they stayed in New Zealand for a really long they, time. Yeah. They stayed in New Zealand for a really long time. And, um, I don't know. I can't remember how long it is. It kind of escapes me right now, but I want to say they stayed in New Zealand for a they they stayed in New Zealand for at the, least for, through the Disney era. I yeah, want to say the entirety of the Disney era, at least, but still like even beyond when we get into like Neo Saban and things, um, I'm pretty sure they're still filming in New Zealand. I'll have to look that up because I don't know yeah. that. I don't know that fun fact offhand. Yeah. Um, yeah. But just to let everybody know, this is based on Ninpu, Ninpu. Yeah. Ninpu Sentai Hurricanegar roughly translates out as Shinobi Wind Squadron Hurricane Ranger. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Which fun fact was the last Sentai released by Shout Factory? Yeah, unfortunately. It's a weird place to stop, I have to a say. A very weird place to stop. I would be I have all the Sentais. I went on this Me journey. as well. I went on this journey, you as well, to go on like to find all the available Sentais through Shout Factory that were legal. legal always support the legitimate releases although you can't watch all of these on tubi slash shout factory tv which is cool yeah you can you can and sometimes i am and sometimes i'm a little lazy and don't feel like putting in a disc and so i watch it on tubi um comment anyway so (laughs) some other things to note about this this is a lot of changes they disney basically cleaned house with this because they they just shed they shed almost all the vestiges of saban at this point so the show was non-union again cost-cutting measure so a lot of crew members like producer Jonathan Zacker, I hope I said that right, uh, were let go. But people like Koichi Sakamoto, who was a director. Okay. And writers like Jackie Marchand, who was the story editor, they stayed. Mm-hmm. And then you had, interestingly, the showrunners on here were Doug Sloan and Anna Austin. And Doug Sloan actually worked on Power Rangers until halfway through Turbo. I don't blame him for leaving. <laughs> and uh, Ann Austin, who also previously worked on the show from what I read, she came back as well, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. And they basically spearheaded this and Dino Thunder to transition the franchise to Disney. Yeah. Which this I think is, it. This is definitely a pivot point for the franchise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is this is hands down a dev this is definitely a pivot point. And I think yeah. you and I you and I talked about this a little bit, which I, I think there I think I fair I, I kind of disagree with you uh in the in the premise of I think you were the I think you told me that you felt like Ninja Storm was kind of a return to form for the franchise. It, it, it's in terms of tone, that mm-hmm. was what it was intended to be. Gotcha. Which we'll get into, but just some other quick things. MMPR Productions, you probably saw that logo a lot when we were watching the show all the way up to now. It was dissolved Mm -hmm. with Ninja Storm and was managed by Buena Vista, which is owned by Disney. 
interestingly, do you want to talk about kind of Power Rangers entering what we would consider the modern internet age? The cast and crew interacted with fans quite a bit on Ranger Board. That was a nice and interesting first. Also, although, did you know that the censorship hammer smacked this show in an early episode? I did not. I actually did not know that. What was what was it over? I'm curious. Uh, the episode where they had the monster that made people constantly disagree with each other. Mm-hmm. And he went to a quote unquote environmental conference. Mm-hmm. That was after it got smacked with the censor hammer. Interesting. It was originally a peace conference, but because the Iraq war, the war on terror had just started, they changed oh, it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now that makes a lot more sense. Yep. And just to let you know, the, the show actually was apparently polarizing with fans when it first aired, but it, it got good is. ratings and had good toy sales and apparently critics liked it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> there I mean, are people who swear by this season and and say it's one of the best, but then they don't necessarily explain why they think that. So it's kind of one of those things where, at least for me personally, I just feel like Ninja Storm is just a season that is there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Does that makes sense. I my first my first initial watch through this was. Uh, uh, a couple of a couple of years uh, no not well yeah maybe a couple of years ago at this point since I've started this journey uh when I first watched Ninja Storm I was a little I'm I'll be honest with you I was unimpressed um and I'm thinking and I'm probably and I'm going to admit this and no one listening will be surprised I think the reason why I was so unimpressed is because I was chasing that nostalgia high that Ninja Storm just didn't give to me uh, it didn't give me that dopamine hit like I wanted of nostalgia. Um, but going back to re-review it for this show, I've actually, to a degree, grown to appreciate it for what it is. Yeah, and I think that's fair. We'll get into it once we get to the final, our final thoughts, I'm sure. But mm-hmm. yeah, anyway, let's just get into it. But I don't yeah, want to jump ahead too yeah, much. Yeah, because I feel like we're like we're we're teetering dangerously close to our thematic discussion, and I don't want to yeah, get a little yet. bit, a little bit. So uh, we got to start with the theme song. <sighs> theme song's all right. Yeah, it's okay. It's, yeah, it's it, got it's, some vestiges of Mighty More of uh, Go Go Power Rangers because it you know Go Power Rangers Go, go you know Ninja Storm Let's Go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it, it's catchy. It's upbeat. It's light. It's got some Asian influences. There's a little, there's some Asian instrumentation in there, which feels very appropriate. Considering it's a ninja themed. Yeah. There's a, there's a, I don't know if you, could you, would you call this tropey for this? Like a, uh, a, instead of like the hard hitting rock theme, like we just watched SPD and it's like SPD emergency. That's how it opens up. This mm-hmm. one opens up with uh, a, a voiceover with a, with some Asian instrumentation. <laughs> yes. Which we'll see repeated again a little bit later. RPM does that to great effect. Mm-hmm. So I have nothing against the voiceover. And like I said, the song's all right. It's, and you'll probably get used to hearing me say this a lot. It's not for me. 
it's not that it's terrible. It's just not to my taste. Right. It's I guess not- you could say this feels, it's still a rock song, but it feels very teeny bopper rock. Is that makes any sense? It feels, it feels really Disney. It, it feels, does. It feels early really two thousands yeah. Disney channel. Yeah, it does. Sure. It does. Yeah, it's because at this point, too, you know, being owned by Disney, you start uh, and we'll see this more when we get closer to other seasons, uh, namely like uh, Mystic Force, where. Um, <laughs> oh, geez. That's, where, when the, that's when the theme songs start getting weird. <laughs> yeah, it's where they start getting a little odd. But like you can you can kind of tell that Disney is also trying to keep up with the trends in style of music um, because this this theme song in particular kind of has like a maybe not necessarily like the like as far as like a hard hitting anthem as to what we've gotten before but it kind of has that kind of um i don't know like that that bmx uh some 41 uh yeah because this is this is very extreme sports unless you would put ninja in the title the sheer amount of extreme sports of which the early 2000s that was a big deal tony hawk and all of that yeah yeah i would almost thought you had an extreme sports themed sentai i don't know exactly i don't know exactly the genre of music i'm talking that i'm trying to nail down here but i would say that ninja storm the sound of the theme fits within that kind of genre that say like bands like sum 41 blink 182 like those types of bands like punk rock like uh pop punk pop punk pop or whatever punk a pop punk i think is what you're looking for pop 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 it's not too punk a pop punk pop punk so maybe like a power rangers theme by tupac that would actually be pretty (laughs) uh, that actually be pretty funny um no that's what you get later Kind of, kind of. Uh, but uh, the voiceover takes care of the exposition telling us the premise of the show. And yeah. really, the if you look at the lyrics to the song itself, it's really just an anthem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a it's a young adult. It's harmless. It's, it's yeah, it's it's harmless. It's an alt rock. It's basically that's what it, that's what I'm thinking of. An alt, alt rock. rock okay. Alt rock, yeah. Alternative rock anthem. Um, like I said, <laughs> they should have had. Uh, you imagine the Ninja Storm theme song if if it was sung by Creed. <laughs> oh God! Oh God! <laughs> Can you make me a morpher? <laughs> God! The force is getting stronger. I. Look, I know a lot of people like Creed. I don't like Creed. I'm sorry. I didn't like Creed then, and I don't like Creed now. They're not uh, around. I don't think they're touring I, anymore. But they're they're they've become one of those bands, kind of like Nickelback, where people are like, "I used to like it, now I don't." Pretty mu- yeah, pretty pretty much. But like you know, this is like the, for anyone who's our age group, they'll know the name Avril Lavigne. It's kind of like in that same vein. Yeah, it's kind of like in yeah. that same vein. Yeah. All right. Anyway, let's talk about our Rangers. We got an interesting composition with this. Well, this is a trend that we'll start to see going forward where we start off with a core group of three and then more Rangers get added later. We technically get to six, but we're not doing the core group of five and then one more Ranger shows up. It's three and three this time, although we do have one character who basically fits the 
sixth ranger archetype more so than the other ones do which i kind of have a th- I, I kind of have a theory about of why they started doing this but we'll we might get into it later yeah for sure but uh, hopefully this is the last time we have to talk about unfortunate things happening to red rangers let's just get this over with uh, so our red ranger this season shane clark played by pua magasiva god rest his soul mm, yeah this sure. poor poor guy it was about i think it was what was it about three four years ago yeah it wasn't all that long. yeah it wasn't all that long ago this gentleman committed suicide yeah, yeah. which makes a scene in a particular episode very a little harder to watch it's a little i will admit it's a little unsettling like watching it watching it now in context of of real life events it is it's really hard to watch yeah and i know that there are people say what you want about this show and its characters and whatnot but apparently a lot of people really like mr magasiva so i mean i think he's a fine i think he fits the he fits the trope and he fits kind of that mold of Mm -hmm. a, he's got some charisma, which is good. He does. Yeah. He has a lot of charisma. He's not a, he's a, he's a jock. He's a, he's a sportsman. Just like all these, he's a skater. He's a skater. And uh, you'll notice is a skater. Yeah. Shane is a skater. You'll notice that each one of these Rangers kind of has a different, a different sports specialty, I guess. I don't know. I'm not an athlete. So, um, you know, Shane is the skater, uh, and that's what he's, that's what, that's how we're introduced mm-hmm. to him. We're introduced to him at a, at a skate park and he's actually mm-hmm. a really good skater. I think he was, if I'm not mistaken, he was an actually a good skater in real life too. So mm-hmm. he did some of his own stunts. Mm-hmm. Um, but Shane is, he fits that mold of, uh, you're not your typical red Ranger, but it's close enough. He's yeah. got a lot of, he's got a, he's got a lot of charisma. He's got a lot of, uh, leadership qualities about him. He's got a lot of leadership potential, a little bit of foreshadowing there. Um, and, uh, he just is a very likable character. Yeah. Something that I want to preface before we continue here, we've been cracking jokes about it. You're calling this power Rangers Naruto, but there's a reason for that. Mm. It's because this is it's ninja themed. Like we already talked about, and it starts off at a ninja school, which is indicative right. of, Naruto. So ninja theme, ninja school, it all goes together. And we find that there's, I think there's supposed to be a network of ninja schools and they're all secret. So I, they don't talk about this a whole lot, but it seems like if you go to the ninja school, you have to keep it secret. Yeah. It's definitely mentioned in that first episode when our, especially after our villains arrive. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so that's a whole to do here and it's very idolized ninjas having a code and and living by honor and things like that but it's the all the students are treated it's basically treated like high school but with ninjas right seems like a very young adult thing to do (laughs) instead of wizards it's ninjas (laughs) and there are certain students apparently who get chosen to be power rangers Mm. from the schools because we have we see students from two different schools and they each receive ranger powers so just laying that out that's where that's how they're doing the setup for all of the ranger action sure anyway do you have anything else to say about shane well i want to point this out shane has 
one of the, I would say one of the better battleizers in terms of design. It doesn't look nearly as nuts as some of the others. And he has a meaningful story as to how he got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it feels just like the battleizer episode in Time Force because I'm just a sucker for Time Force because that episode is incredibly weird. <clears throat> Because it's weird, not all of it really makes a whole lot of sense. This one was a very, just a very meaningful episode, especially since it was weirdly serious compared. Because this is a very light show. It, it's an extremely which light was show. done on purpose. They were trying to make this a return to form in terms of tone. Mm-hmm. Go back to lighter stories like in Mighty Morphin. Mm. But there are points, and I agree with the Disney brain on this. There are points where they're so relaxed they kind of veer off into laziness. (laughs) They're so so intent on keeping it light when I really felt like they shouldn't have. (laughs) They got a little too light. Yeah, they were, they were, they were, they were trying to find, I feel like they were like, they were trying to find their footing with, with Ninja Storm. So they didn't, they didn't quite know what direction they want that. I don't feel like Disney or the mm-hmm. producers of the show didn't quite know what direction they wanted to take the franchise. And so they took the safe. I feel like they took the safer way out and just kind of made it a lighter kid show. Yeah. Which we'll talk about some of the elements of that, like how they present the villains and all that. But the thing that we should mention here is that it does do a couple of things really for the first time. One of them being, the self parody and the fourth wall jokes. Oh God, there's so many fourth wall breaks. Not as this. many as I would have expected, but there's still. enough in there, but I'm like, but still, huh? there's, there's yeah. a lot, there's actually, there's quite a bit of yeah, uh, so fourth th- wall breaks. In there's show. kind of some good nature, self deprecation in there. Cause they're pointing out things about the tropes and, mm-hmm. and all of that. But anyway, he has a very meaningful, Battleizer episode where he's helping a girl named Skyla mm. who turns out to be an alien and apparently she's I guess ascending I guess you could say to a higher form and when she does that she's going to give off energy and she has to give that to somebody and the bad guys are after it because they want the power that that's going to grant them and because Shane had helped her out because she looks like a big orb of energy until she turns into a hot chick <laughs> Uh, he, he rescued her out of a spider web when he was a kid. Then she came back and then he helped her out, protected her from the villains. And then when she ascended, she gave him the battleizer. Mm. So I like, yeah. that's very meaningful. I like that. And it shows how much of a hero Shane is because our heroes, this first three in the first episode, they're kind of presented as these really undisciplined students that nobody, th- they're like the worst students in class, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're chided for always showing up late to class and not taking things seriously. But interestingly, they were late to Lothor's attack on their school because they weren't, not because they were being stupid and undisciplined, but because they were stopping to help somebody, which I think is kind of interesting. So yeah, it's a nice little establishing very quickly that, these are good kids and these are your heroes. And Shane really doesn't body that very well. Are they the deepest characters who go through no. a, a whole slew of changes? No, but they're solid heroes from the start. They are. I agree. Yeah. And, and, you know, Shane is one of those characters. We, we'll move on to the, we'll move on uh, to Tori in just a second. But uh, Shane is one of those characters where the things that happen to him 
like the all the like the battleizer and the way his kind of story arc plays out feels really earned and it i li- and i like it when i like it when a hero when a hero is given things but it feels earned at the same time it's just not like present like here you go here's this cool a uh, weapon that you didn't have to work very hard for. So a <laughs> wild force. <laughs> so Tori Hansen, our blue ranger uh, played by Sally Martin. I think it's just, I'm pretty sure she's the first female blue ranger. Isn't she? Oh uh, yeah. At least in Power Rangers. Cause the girls are always pink and yellow except for, the I can't remember her name now. The leader of the Alien Rangers. She was white. Uh, she, Delphine. She was. Delphine. Uh, she was that white. Was the, what, and, what is the trivia, man? With our uh, friends that uh, entertain this. Come on, man. Oh, <laughs> I think you beat me to that one anyway. So <laughs> whatever. I still won. Anyway. Yeah. No. It's yes. I just acknowledge that. Anyway, <laughs> and then we had the uh, the White Tiger, Noble Tiger. Uh-huh. Last season in Wild Force, she was white, but yeah, but you know, uh, so unless they deviate and they make them white, they're t- the, the girl rangers are typically pink and yellow. She's blue, yeah, and it's not. And I've noticed that when they are, when when our female rangers are blue, it's not this like really deep, uh, like this really deep kind of uh, uh cobalt blue, similar to what Billy's co- Billy the Mighty Morphin Ranger, the uh, blue ter- triceratops ranger, um is it's typically a brighter, more cyan, mm-hmm. which yeah. can be, which can be construed aquatic. Yeah. Aquatic. Which actually makes sense because these yeah. first three have elements that they tap into. Shane is, I believe he's earth, which is interesting. No, no, no. Shane because is, Shane is wind. Wind. That's right. Which is, which is interesting because I would have expected it to be fire, mm-hmm. but same. The Tori yeah. is water, which makes sense because she's a surfer. And, you know, our yellow ranger is earth. So they're, Mm -hmm. so they're almost, almost earth, wind and fire. Yeah. Yeah, There's no fire. I was a little surprised. There's no fire. Yeah. But I like Tori. Tori, She's nice. She's the most disciplined out of these three and Mm -hmm. is definitely power pretty. She's yeah, she's definitely. Yeah, she's definitely power. pretty. Um, I think she's wearing shorts for a reason. I think so too. Those hips. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> moving on uh Lips don't lie <laughs> she, she, and she loves showing off that navel too i mean i'm just saying she, she has uh, an interesting she's like the she's the mistress of midriff except not evil <laughs> she has an interesting introduction because she's a surfer like we've mm-hmm. already talked about you know she she hangs mm-hmm. out she's a beach girl she's a beach girl yeah she's mm-hmm. our she's our beach bunny um and she, what's really funny is they're in the van on their way to class, on their way to the woods for their ninja training. And they're talk, and they're talking, and I think it's Dustin who's talking about Power Rangers and Tori's very seriously. She's like, Power Rangers? Power Rangers don't exist. Come on. Oh my gosh. I have so, I don't understand this franchise's mild obsession with Having characters pretend that Rangers aren't real, but that was partly because this is what set a lot of people off. Originally, this was supposed to be in its own universe, separate from all the previous seasons. Mm -hmm. And then Dino Thunder, quote unquote, retcon that. Yeah, Dino Thunder (laughs) definitely came in and corrected that. Yeah. But but even before this, there were still points where people were surprised by the existence of Power Rangers or monsters, or it was like, 
Did you forget which universe you're in? Which, you know, you could, you could, you could, um, reasonably say that the surprise still matters because ra- the Rangers may not, may not, they have never, they maybe have never seen a Power Ranger in person. After Countdown to Destruction, I find that a little difficult to believe. Right. But. I mean, I get it, but I'm just trying to figure out, I'm just trying to figure out a way to just make it make sense as to why no one in this universe apparently is willing to acknowledge that Power Rangers exist. Well, well, listeners with attitude, feel free to Stanley no prize this, and we will be sure to send you one in your email inbox. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so Tori, she's, I'm actually glad that she's here with, the, especially with these first three, <laughs> because she's the one who has to keep both of these boys on track, because let's be honest, if she was with, if they had, say, Kelsey from Lightspeed Rescue, <laughs> they'd never get anything done. <laughs> no, they wouldn't. <laughs> so she has to be there to balance out those two boys just being boys and not she has to keep them on track. Yeah. Like I said, you know, she's she's almost I don't want to say she's kind of mothering them, but at points it feels a little bit like that. <laughs> A little. Yeah, I can, I can understand that. <laughs> yeah. So like I said, she's there to help balance them out and also crush on one of our new Rangers, which is actually kind of a welcome change because we haven't had that in a while. Not since time force. Well, yeah. Not since and before time- that, we hadn't seen it in a while. Yeah. Not since time force, but you know, that's, that's Tori. She's a really interesting character. She's got some, uh, she gets some, she gets some interesting, um, she gets some interesting focus episodes that we can talk yeah, about. My my personal favorite was the one where, even though the setup doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but because apparently the monster of the week made a pocket dimension that you enter by wiping out on a surfboard. Okay. I mean, okay. Whatever. And then she, it's her against all the Rangers in a mirror universe where the Rangers are bad guys and the villains are the good guys. Mm. Also, she's the only girl this season, which is really weird. Yeah, you're right. Which actually made that which actually made that episode where she's going up against five boys a little weird. <laughs> but she held her own, I'll say that. Yeah. That's the other thing. These Rangers are basically the first ones we talked about this cuz true confession time we've recorded these episodes out of order, so we've already recorded Dino Thunder, but this season also kind of starts the trend of civilian powers because they had quote unquote ninja powers before this. So they could move really fast or do some other things. And so she has to use a lot of those to fight the other Rangers mm-hmm. in that mirror universe. Yeah. But it was, it was still pretty interesting. I will say that. It is. And then we get to our comic relief. <laughs> Oh, Dustin, our, Dustin, our, Dustin. Our Yellow Ranger. Apparently his real name's Waldo. They bring that up in like episode two or episode three, somewhere around. There was an early episode. They're like, okay. But then why are we still calling him Dustin? Okay. <laughs> Is that just a joke <laughs> that no one's going to bring up again? I would have ran with that, but uh, play by Glenn McMillan. So I'll put that out there. Yeah, Dustin Brooks. He's the one that actually believes in Power Rangers. Yeah, he's kind of the nerd, nerd. but not really. 
Yeah, none of these. At least would, he doesn't look like one. Yeah, I don't believe. Like he's more one, of a dork for me, uh, to be honest. Right, but I but I don't believe that that I don't believe these rangers. They kind of fall into the tropes that we are used to so far. But then again, in, in other ways, they don't. Like we we get like in our main line group of uh, when our in our first three rangers, our main line group of rangers, we typically get that nerdy character, but. Actually, we kind of have two with this season. We kind of have two nerds, but we don't get it. We don't get a, a, a nerdy ranger immediately, we'll say. Yeah, but he's the comic book nerd. He's a BMX writer. Mm. And he's probably the least disciplined out of all of them. He really is. He's like Michelangelo in Ninja Turtles, basically. Yeah, kind of. I can see that. He's the party. He's the party animal. Yeah, he's the life of the party. He's, he's the, the life of the party. Yeah. He's the um I don't want to I don't know. I don't want to say like the soul of the team, but he does he heart definitely of the team. Heart maybe? of the team. There we go. Maybe he's the heart of the team, but he does he does keep things he does keep things light and fun. Yeah. Yeah. And he has some nice focus episodes, including one where he has a crush on one of the, well, no, well, no, he does have a crush on one of the villains who then stabs him in the back, which I understand how you feel, man. But (laughs) so, and he gets upset about that. He's like, man, I was so easily manipulated. And, you know, he, so he learns a hard lesson and he grows from it. Mm -hmm, For sure. Yeah. All right. Now we'll move into. I have these next three under the sixth ranger or ally category, because even though the the thunder rangers, I don't know if they necessarily qualify. I almost put them in the mainline section, but they're treated as separate from the other ones. They're, they're used uh, at least in, in Ninja storm. They're, they're used a lot more sparingly than say our main group our main maybe at least early on although i also think the reason why i have a hard time with it is that i they show up at the end of episode two yeah and honestly i felt like they should have been saved until later because like think of something like green with evil we had time to have that initial core team go so, and do stuff. Yeah. The, like there was there, they, they, they were building their camaraderie. Now I will yeah. say, I will say that there, I I'm willing to go along with it because it seems like, you know, it, it already seems like Shane, Dustin and Tori are already friends to begin with. So there's already that, that pre, it's kind of, it's a little bit similar to our team from mighty Morphin, where it's, where it's obviously that they already are friends to begin with. So there's already that, that pre built in camaraderie, but here's my problem with it. They weren't, there wasn't really enough time to be tested to, as a team, yeah. as a team of Rangers and before the, um, uh, before our, uh, Thunder Under Rangers. Rangers. Yeah. yeah. Which is very different from our actual sixth Ranger, but we'll get to him in a few minutes. So we have the, uh, the colors are a little bit odd, but cause they kind of have two blue Rangers with this, but we have the Navy Thunder Ranger, Blake Bradley. These guys are brothers. And if you're like, hold on, they don't look alike. Eh, they say they're adopted. Yeah. And Blake is played by, I hope I say this right. Orgito Vargas Jr. Close enough. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then his brother is Hunter Bradley, the Crimson Thunder Ranger. So I guess we kind of have two Red Rangers too, even I'm, though the Crimson Thunder Ranger looks more purple to me. Or am I thinking of no? Yeah, yeah, they look like blue and purple to me. But what do I know? And okay, my apologies if I say this name wrong, but Adam Tuominen. Mm. Twominen? No, okay. It's not okay. Yeah, close. Well, you know what? We'll go with it. Sure. Yeah, we'll go with it. <laughs> Claim it. Own it. Anyway. But anyway, so uh, you kind of we kind of have to talk about them together because they are you can they play off of each other incredibly well. They have great chemistry together as brothers. Yeah. They're uh, they're also BMX riders. And, and the two of them and the two of them are kind of are kind of set up to be a foil for Dustin. Yeah. In a way, yeah. because because they're, uh, they're more like the cool guys. Yeah, because Dustin's a little bit more lighthearted. He's goofy. He's kind of a, he's a dork, like you said. And and these guys are kind of like the douchebags you that did, you stayed away from in the in the uh, cafeteria at school. Well, that is until we find out why they're jerks. Yeah. And then they soften. Now they each have their own focus episodes. Blake. And Tori have an on again, off again thing going on. Hunter is the more hot headed of the two of them. For sure. And he has some, you know, he has some good focus episodes where, you know, like he's trying to be, you know, uh, be like a surrogate big brother and things like that. And, you know, but like I said, I feel like they're introduced a little too early and maybe that was because they had to use the Sentai footage. I don't know. It would be. I haven't watched Hurricane Agar yet. I'd have to see mm-hmm. what it's like in the original show. But I feel like I said, I feel like they're introduced too early. That's why I have a hard time deciding if they're quote unquote extra rangers or if they should be part of the core team. Because mm-hmm. I wish they had just been there from the start, but they're from a different ninja school. I almost Our main three are from the wind ninja school. They're from the thunder ninja school. Yeah. Which is when we get our glimpse, uh, because uh, it's in their. I think it's Thunder in the. I think it's in the first the first episode of Thunder Strangers, uh-huh. where Sensei says they f- they fight with the style of Thunder or something. Yeah, yeah. something like that. And also just with the naming convention of Thunder for the Zords and the Rangers and everything, I'm just like, okay, that's only mildly confusing because season two of MMPR. Sure. But <laughs> but I you know. Uh, we should comment. Yeah, well, well, we can talk about the costumes when we get to the last of them. But they also try to do the green with evil thing again, oh, or maybe yeah. a titanium ranger thing again. It's, but it feels. And again, this goes back to the very relaxed tone that they're going for—that light, relaxed tone. Mm-hmm. Because it feels like there should have been more weight and development, but like I said, they're trying to keep it light. So we don't quite get that. Right. Because we, they're working for the, for Lothor. They're working for the bad guys Mm. owning the Rangers pretty hard, even though they have moments where they're like, you know, they're trying to be honorable and they don't, you know, they help the Rangers out or something like that. And then we find out it's not because of mind control or, you know, the usual things that we come to expect, you know, they're from a rival school. So they're trying to stick it to them because they're from a rival school or something like that. We find out is just because Lothor 
lied to them and they just bought it hook, line and sinker. I feel like that's flimsy. It's pretty flimsy. So so they, they literally get told by the guy who kidnapped them Mm. that the wind Rangers sensei, we'll talk about him in a bit. Killed their adopted parents. And it's not even and, like a. It, and it only took him saying that to them for them to decide murder spree. What would, <laughs> what would be, what would be interesting? I mean, it would just be too, I guess it would be too easy to do the mind control thing, which would make, which would have made infinite, infinite. Actually, would, I think it would have been more interesting if they were just, if they were from a, a you know, from a rival, uh, from a rival ninja school. And then Lothor's like, you want to prove that you're better than them? That would have been interesting. That would have been more interesting. Or even if they were, if it was found out that they were maybe adopted at a very young age, they or were not, adopted or not adopted, kidnapped when they were, if they were kidnapped at a very young also age, a titanium ranger, right? If they were kidnapped at a very young age and maybe they developed some kind of Stockholm syndrome for Lothor, maybe. I mean, there's ways to do it, but again, they're trying to be really relaxed about this. And then when we get the big revelation, and I think it's Thunder Strangers part. Three, right? Is it three yeah, or four? Yeah, it's Thunder Stranger's part three, I think. Is it three or four? It's three. There's, there's, long, three. There, there's a lot there's, of multi-parters in this there's season. There's three parts to Thunder Strangers. Yeah. So and then when they're like, he's like, he, your sensei killed our parents. He didn't kill your parents. We don't believe you. Ghost of mom and dad appears. He didn't kill us. Okay. We're good okay. now. Resolved. Okay. Resolved. What? Everything we knew was a lie. <laughs> <It's> a lie <laughs> that we b- believed in two seconds right. because... Lucha Satsu, the guy who kidnapped us, can't be lying, right? The, right? I mean, it's you know, I don't know. I if they're if they're able to if they're able to believe a lie that flimsy, maybe maybe they shouldn't be Rangers to begin with. But okay, whatever. That's just Ooh, hot take, hot take, hot take. Bed, but bed, once we get past that, there is there is a period where they just go away for a while, and then when they do come back after a few episodes they're like hey you know we probably shouldn't be helping you guys out we're not sure we should be rangers because of all the stuff that happened but then they have a little adventure and then they're like no you could be rangers we're okay you know it's fine and it's just like okay kind of saccharine it's it's fine though whatever it's fine Um, but you know we're just we're just about having fun this season so okay yeah so do we get the MVP of the show. I was going to say, do we want to now just move on to what we really want to talk about? And that's Cam. Oh, the MVP of the show, the real sixth Ranger, Cam <laughs> Watanabe, played by Jason Chan. I love this guy. No, this guy's great. I, <laughs> I wasn't I really him. latching on. I, as I'll be honest with you, when I started watching this, mm-hmm. I it wasn't a slog like Turbo was, but I also never... If it let's just say if it wasn't for the podcast, I wouldn't have felt all that compelled to keep watching. No, I don't blame you. If I was just left to my own devices, I probably would have watched the first handful of episodes and just been done. Honestly, if it wasn't for the podcast, I probably wouldn't have revisited. uh, Yeah, I might have regretted it a little bit because once cam who was there from episode one got to be a ranger i felt more compelled to watch because cam is just so much is just such a good character uh hands down best character in the show no hands <laughs> yeah oh absolutely even like even though sensei kind of grew on me over time you know even with the the hamster bit but we'll get there um 
Cam is definitely my favorite character of this season. Like mm-hmm. he, he has wit. He's resourceful. He has <laughs> it's a, dry wit too. It's, it's very dry. It's very dry. Wit, and I <laughs> when like he that. starts, when he's uh, he's Sensei's son, and when the show starts, he's basically tech support. Which is someone who you know who has worked in that field. I've it's just so funny to watch because he just gets so annoyed a, with the Rangers because he's, 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 he's very disciplined because he's like, My I'm Sensei Son, so I know what I'm doing. I can fight because I'm Sensei Son, and he does. He's probably the best fighter out of all of them. But yeah, he's, he's really he's good just, with the technology. He runs the Zords. He makes new gadgets for them. And he's just getting so annoyed. He's like, oh, yeah, you need my help again? You know, I'm just, I'm just, well, of course just, you do. Just, I'm just thinking of this meme that I saw. You know, it's like, you know, like the different, uh, like the three levels of tech support all the way up to system administrator. And it's Luke Skywalker in different movies. So it's like level one is, you know, uh, we have to save them. And then it goes all the way to grumpy old Luke and last Jedi. And it says, who are you? Go away. I feel like Cam goes through that every episode until he becomes a ranger. <laughs> I think out of all of our, out of all of our rangers, of I just waited for him to say like, did you plug it back in? <laughs> did you turn it off and turn it back on? <laughs> after all of our, ring, after, after all the rangers that we've met in this season, I personally, and this is, I don't think this is a hot take or anything like that. Cause a lot of people love Cam, but I feel like he, he has, he, he act, he earned it. I think a lot, and a lot of our character, a lot of our characters earned it, but he really earned it. And we'll talk about him. Well, we, I guess we can talk about it now. Well, we are talking about him, but you know, so about- <laughs> he's the samurai ranger, which only makes things weird for later, but <laughs> sure. okay. he's a green ranger. Mm-hmm. Very, re- very reminiscent of uh, a certain other Green Ranger as far yeah, as like because he's got like a dragon shield looking thing, which is supposed to be like a weighted vest because he throws it off and you see it hit the ground and it craters into the ground a little bit, mm-hmm. which is a very ninja thing. You know, the putting weight a uh, martial arts thing. I think it's actually been proven to not be nearly as beneficial as people want to say it is. I really like the design of Cam's suit i really do i think it's very it's very reminiscent it's a it's kind of a i don't know it's it, it's a, in a way it's kind of a modernized version of the mighty morphin green suit uh in a way uh it's a very like kind of up-to-date version of that and i think aesthetically i think it looks good now the only thing that really was kind of that's really kind of weird about you know his ranger suit is when he does the power up his he has to flip his helmet around or something which is a little odd admittedly it's a little odd but it's a visual i guess it's like a visual signal to show the audience that cam is accompanied with him throwing off the weighted vest yeah i i really like his design and the way he gets his powers is interesting because again he's there from the beginning he kind of does a lot of the things that in retrospect i kind of wish they had done with tommy where tommy was around for a little bit before he became a ranger yeah. So he's there from the start. He wants to be a ranger, but dad said no. Yep. Because he said, your mother wouldn't want this. Your mother didn't want this because his mother is dead. Yeah. So he never really knew his mother, but his, but sensei keeps telling him, your mother wouldn't want this, but he still wants to do it. Right. And then we get a three part, a three parter where the other rangers are incapacitated 
and he goes on a basically a time travel journey to go find a power source to help them out. And it turns out that it's his mother's magic amulet and it allows him to become a ranger. And he had to go through a whole thing. We'll talk a bit about that episode in a little bit, but he ends up basically <laughs> fighting Lothor as a young man because spoilers, Lothor is his uncle. <laughs> Which there's there's some clever things done with that. Right. Uh, yeah, or at least some interesting things yeah, done with that. Yeah, but honestly it could have been it could have been made more interesting though. Yeah, like, that, it that, could that, have. Again, that, that whole dynamic this season. This is the chill season as yeah, Disney whole, Brain put it. Yeah, that whole dynamic could have been way more interesting. I feel like that was a little bit of like missed potential in a way. Yeah, yeah. So that's how he gets it. And once I got to that three part, I'm like, I'm invested now. Mm-hmm. I am so invested. And I will confess, I wasn't 100% prepared for his Zord to be a helicopter. <laughs> I mean, I still <laughs> like it. Though. That's what he has to tell the Rangers he's, he's every episode after. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But it's really, it's really because all these other Zords, we'll get to the Zords in a minute, but like all the other Zords are more animal based or uh, insect based. This is a helicopter. It's a helicopter, okay. which turns into the samurai star Zord. And I'm like, oh, I get it. Now the propeller is a shuriken. Oh, clever show. Clever. clever, clever. <laughs> but yeah, Cam's great. We like Cam. Um, Cam will definitely keep you keep you watching. Oh, yeah. Whenever Cam's on the show, like I am so invested. That's why there are a few episodes where I'm like, really, you're going to do that to him? Like. The the first two parts of a samurai's journey when he gets his powers are very compelling. And then in part three, when it's supposed to be his first outing as a ranger, they're turning him into an insect. Sure. I like you're almost undermining this, guys. You're almost undermining it. <laughs> they're coming de- they're 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 inching dangerously close to undermining their progress. But uh, yeah. did, you, did you what did you think about and this is kind of getting into our supporting cast, what did you think about Cybercam? Cy- you know, Cybercam, who is a holographic construct of Cam that our techie ninja came up with so that way he could go on more ranger missions while also keeping track of Ninja Ops, their base of operations. Yeah. And I think it really shows how much range Jason Chan has because Cam is very serious. It has a bit of a dry wit, a dry sarcastic wit. And then Cam is life of the cyber cam is life of the party. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) Coming dangerously close to alpha six levels of jive talking. I'm just saying he's, he's a little bit more of that. Um, he's a little bit more that dude, bro. You know? <laughs> yeah. I don't understand how Cybercam can exist outside of Ninja Ops when he's a hologram. Okay. You know, we'll just go with it. Sure. Sure. We'll sure. go with it. We'll go with it. We'll go with yeah, it. You must have stolen the doctor from Voyager's mobile emitter without telling us because I don't know how this works. <laughs> so, so now we, so now we transit. So that's cyber cam. So now we have to transition from cam to cam's father, sensei Kanoe Watanabe. I Played by Grant McFarland. He's our Zordon for this season. He is a ninja master. 
He's actually kind of cool. That is the what? cutest Zordon I've ever seen. <laughs> okay, yeah, we're getting getting to that. Because in the first episode when we meet him and he's this ninja master, this wise ninja master, I'm like, okay, this is cool. And then when the school gets attacked by the bad guys and he tries to do some like substitution or whatever ninja magic trick, which I just to I, I am so terrible every time the Rangers did that and they're and it's just they left duplicates of their costumes just sitting there. I'm like, are they running around naked right now? Yeah. <laughs> every time. But it's a ninja thing, you know, uh, substituting it, you know, so you hit that instead of the instead of them. He I guess was trying to do some sort of a transformation like that and he got stuck and he ends up a guinea pig. And I'm like, this is the most Disney thing it's the most, in this whole show. It's the most Disney, but when we get to thematics, and I know we've already touched on it a little bit, but it's like, I feel like it's it just dawned on me. It feels so meta, and it's probably not even intentional. I'm reading way too much into it. I'm rubbing off on you. I'm You're welcome. way too much into it. I know. I get it. But it just feels so meta that this is kind of the quote-unquote fully official Disney season and our Zordon is a guinea pig. Yeah. Yeah. And the CGI is not great. It's early 2000 CGI. Yeah. On a, on the cheap, even with Disney money. Mm. So it's weird. It looks like a video game. Sometimes I'm like, I played this PS2 game. Ninja but, guinea pig. But even even in his even in his guinea pig form, he's still able to spit some wisdom at our rangers. He can. He, the thing is, is that all of his his dialogue consists of exposition, some wisdom, and a lot of what I termed ninja nonsense. Is that so? Is it is ninja nonsense, Nathan? The same as like techno babble, like similar to what we got a with bit, uh, and it's just a lot of like pop culture ninja things that don't really get defined. Like he's like, I will use my ninja telepathy to tell them things. Well, at least we didn't get a wax on, wax off joke. I would have preferred that actually. <laughs> 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 you know, so it's like. You're telepathic? Okay, I guess you're telepathic. You might want to use that a little more often or teach them how to do it or something. Something. Okay. Just anything. Something. And all of this talk about finding your inner ninja. And I'm like, this is a bunch of nonsense that sounds profound. That's what it is. Well, it probably does sound profound to the age demographic that this show is for. Yeah. I guess I'm just looking at it. It's like, I am an adult and this doesn't make any sense. What are you even talking about? But, but then he has some really good lines in there. You know, some of them I think teeter on nonsense, but the funny thing is, is because they teeter on nonsense, they sound a little bit more profound. Like I think one of the, one of the ones that I considered actually for the awards was he says something about how a conclusion is what happens when you just stop thinking about it or something like that. I'm paraphrasing horribly. I'm like, okay. Maybe. You know, okay. Maybe. Sure. That makes sense to a certain extent. Sure. Okay. But it also doesn't make sense, which is kind of the nature of his wisdom. So, I mean, as, as, as nonsensical as some of that stuff may be, 
I really just really kind of want to throw this out here about Ninja Storm being actually kind of coherent in the fact of in the vein of it knows exactly what it wants to be. Yeah, it does. And I will say this, at least Sensei's not spitting out a bunch of cliches and platitudes. Yes, at least. Yeah, give at them least, credit there. Yeah, at least they tr- they tried to give Sensei some really meaningful dialogue, even in guinea pig form. Yeah, so. it's just weird to the ninja guinea pig sensei. I just. Sure. But then again, I wrote a novel where I had my hero, and this is a comedy, mind you, is trained by a samurai tree. So. Anyway, so we get we on, have Kelly we have our, Holloway. Yeah, we have our Ernie. Um, yeah. Megan played by Megan Nicole. I hope I said that. I hope I wrote that correctly. <laughs> Might be Megan Nicole. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. Admittedly, she's there. Yeah. I wish they had done more with her. I do too. I, I wish she runs a store called Storm Chargers. And I'm like, why didn't you call there it storm chasers? Oh God, there was so much. And I know cause we recorded this out of order. I know we, we recorded this after recording Dino Thunder and we talked about in Dino Thunder. The, oh, the, the cyber cafe is this, called cyberspace. Yeah. The cyber cafe, the owner of the cyber cafe. They, I just feel like, I just feel like they missed a, a really interesting opportunity to not just make Kelly um, just, kind of a, a supporting cast member, but also like a civilian ally. I feel like they missed that opportunity there. Yeah. Cause ultimately she's just there. Yeah, she doesn't there. contribute all that much to really anything. The I, honestly, I think the most memorable moment she had was when we see the, you know, mirror universe version of her and that Tori focus episode she's like full tilt punk mm-hmm. yeah. and that was but we only see her for one scene and that was pretty entertaining but otherwise she's just there to give the rangers jobs and a place to hang out yeah pretty much yeah oh, then there is the interesting episode where dusted is working there late at night closing up shop and he morphs to st- stop a robbery in the store <laughs> i'm like why hasn't this happened more often <laughs> Which then turned into an, an episode that didn't quite make sense where everyone's like, Yellow Ranger going solo. <laughs> okay. By the way, the costumes this season actually are pretty good. I'll say they are, they are. Yeah. We haven't talked about the costumes all that much. We talked about cams, but we haven't talked about the rest of the costumes. Yeah. The rest of them are fine. The The Thunder Rangers have the big shoulder pads and, and that's Common how Rangers you know. Skull, yeah. Uh, you know, like uh, uh, horns on their helmets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how you know your your kind of your upper level. I guess you're not your upper level rangers, but your sixth range, your your adjacent rangers, uh, because a lot of times they'll have some kind of extra embellishment to their mm-hmm. uh, to their outfits. So mm-hmm. I really like the suits in this in this particular one. And what I find really interesting, and this is something that doesn't get done a whole lot. The last time it was done, I believe, was in. Um, Actually, no, it was not done in Mighty Morphin the movie. I was wrong. I am totally wrong. Um, they the, their helmets uh, they can retract their visors. Oh yeah, which is actually pretty really cool. Yeah, which I, is really I like that. I wish that would be done more often. I think who was it the who was it the first the first time we saw 
a ranger through the visor, I think was Lost Galaxy, but that was after the visor shattered. That was after it was damaged, yeah. Yeah, and then I think, what was the first one to have retract? I think it was Lightspeed Rescue. It had the retractable visors, finally. Uh, I believe... Yes, 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 yes. Yes, they had retract. Yeah, they did. The, yeah, which is pretty, which is pretty cool. I like yeah, that. It, it, I like it that. helps to, it helps to maintain the illusion that the face actors are also the ones in the costumes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's uh, that's that's the whole purpose, and it's a little bit more utilitarian as well because yes. in the original Mighty Morphin, they had to take the helmets all the way off to be able to, you know. I don't know. Be the fa- I don't know. I, I don't. So you can see their faces. So you can see their faces. Yeah. So yeah. You know, I like that about. It. I like these suits. These suits are. They're not my favorite, but they're not terrible. They're just kind of there, and they're just kind of. They're they're good. They're good, mm-hmm. and they fit the aesthetic of the show. For sure. For sure. Well, I don't think we have much else to say about Kelly, other than you know she's there and she's she, there. she she helps out a little bit, giving them some advice in their civilian forms and yeah. everything. She's the but now she, we need to move on. What? Yeah, she's definitely the Ernie. It's it's and I can see she's definitely the Ernie for, for yeah. this season. And, and that's, you know, that that is kind of another nod to uh, it being kind of a return to form. Yeah, for sure. Now we need to talk about the bad guys, which I think really the villains, which really show the shift in tone this time around, because we this season, for the most part, we have comical villains. It's very lighthearted. Very comical villains. And actually like, like, like legitimately comical villains, like, like Lothor, uh, we've touched on him a little bit, but he does have some pretty funny one liners. He does. I will admit when I was watching the show, I'm like, I don't know if I like these goofy villains, but then I also found myself writing down a lot of Lothor lines. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for potential awards. <laughs> he's, he's like, I Lothor played by Grant McFarland. Yeah. yeah. Because so, he's the brother of sensei. And after episode one, Sensei's the CGI Guinea pig. So that frees him up to just play Luchasatsu. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Real Luchasatsu. Yeah. He is literally McFar- Mr. McFarland in a really ridiculous Asian inspired luchador mask <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. And he kind of, he kind of does look like a luchador. I would almost, I don't know. I, we talked about Oni whenever we talked about uh, wild force and I almost would have made, it almost would have made more sense to give him like an Oni mask that he puts on every now and then. But, um, you know, maybe not for maybe not because this is supposed to be more of a lighthearted season. I, yeah. as far as villains go, Lothor's pretty good. Uh, I think I think the best parts about Lothor are his actual like delivery and personality more mm-hmm. than his you know his his threat level. Well, it's so weird because when we do have the cam episode, that's the flashback, and we see him as a young man, he's scarier as the as the teenager. Mm-hmm. Like he's legitimately terrifying at points. And then he gets banished because he was doing dishonorable things. He was stealing and trying to acquire a power source when he wasn't worthy of it and things like that. And then when he's banished by his master, he basically tells him off and said, I will take the name of a great evil warrior and then you will all pay. And then he gets banished up into space because space ninja, that totally makes sense. That was, that took a little bit of an adjustment for me. So like, wait a minute, you went from disgrace ninja 
to outer space with spaceships. Right. Okay. Sure. <laughs> Was this a thing in the Sentai? Because this is crazy. But okay. So uh, he he breaks the fourth wall several times. The, uh, one of I think he literally says in the last episode, "This is the most fun I've had all season." <laughs> <laughs> there's even a point where he turns directly he mugs the camera looks directly at it to address the audience this is after he makes the monster grow big and he says something like what were you expecting it would get smaller <laughs> i'm just like what but here's the thing i have made it no secret that i am not a fan of diva talks lothor doesn't get to diva tox levels i can take lothor just seriously enough that he's not a clown where i'm like why does anyone take him seriously as a threat he's a um he he is this universe's ivan ooze he is a lot like ivan ooze in a lot of ways mm-hmm I mean, and especially since he gets frustrated with his own henchmen. So it's like he's already a comical villain and he's getting annoyed with the other comical villains. Yeah. Like, like it goes, it flows from the, like leadership flows from the top down, bro. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. But (laughs) yeah, there's not a lot to say about him. He does. He serves his purpose. He serves it very well. Mm -hmm. I do think his threat level and his level of evil is a little bit exaggerated, but. You know, that's the nature of the show. And like I said, it's not, he's not diva talks. I can still, I can take him just seriously enough. Yeah. He, he, he fits within this universe and he's, yeah, he fits within the show that we're being given. Right. So it's not, that and, it, but it, I do wish they had done more with the family connections. That oh, bugged me a little bit. I think that's probably, yeah, that's my, my biggest gripe with the Lothor character is they didn't quite, lean heavily enough into the family connection. Yeah. And, and speaking of family connections, we get his nieces. Well, I have one more comment. I want to bring up about that because okay. the way that they address this, because cam was like, you never told me he was my uncle after mm-hmm. at the end of the three parter right. even has a fight with his own uncle as a young man. And sensei's response is according to ninja tradition. If you do something dishonorable, we treat you like you don't exist. All ties are severed. I'm like, that is mildly terrifying. I just want you to know, which I've bugged me a little bit because it Cam brings it up in that episode. And then it's other than Lothor referring to Cam as his nephew. It doesn't really get brought up again until toward the end. And then they suddenly want to make it a point a again. Deal, yeah. A big deal, which gets okay. increased all the more because two of his... They're not the generals. They're more like, I don't know if they're bulk and skull or squat and baboo. Because <laughs> they're kind of both. And that's Mara and Capri played by Katrina Divine and Katrina Brown. And if Katrina Divine sounds familiar, well, it sounds more familiar to me because again, out of order, we've already done Dino Thunder because she come, this actress comes back in Dino Thunder as a different character. Right. Yeah. She's more of a, she is the reporter character from Dino yeah. Thunder. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Similar in some ways, which that's why there's a joke about it in the crossover episode, but which is funny, which is pretty funny, yeah. but that was a little bit lost on me because I hadn't seen, I'd only seen two episodes of Dino of Dino of 
of Ninja Storm at that time. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think? Bulk and Skull or Squat and Babu? <sighs> both. Um, <laughs> yeah, they are kind of both. It's kind of both because, you know, Squat and Babu were... Squat and Babu were the bulk and skull of, uh, of the villains, you know, and then bulk and skull were the squat and Babu of the civilian characters. It, it's, it all kind of works together. It I does. don't have a, pro- honestly, I don't have a problem with, with Mara and Capri. I, I, I think, don't, but I they think- fit into a very specific sort of archetype. They're basically uh, Valley girls gone bad. <laughs> They're, yeah, they're, 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 they're ditzy. They're fashion obsessed. They're but you find out that's all an act. They're bad. Like, Maybe they're, like they're evil, but I feel like it's, it's like they're being evil for pretend purposes because they're scared of their uncle or they want to impress him or they want to impress their uncle. Uh, because at the end of because if you've not watched Ninja Storm yet, spoiler, they decide to become good and join the ninja academy. So yeah, but before that, there were several episodes where I'm like, wait a minute, were they faking the whole time? I'm confused. Maybe and I'm still not 100% sure because they were trying to manipulate one of the generals by saying like, we were faking the whole time. And I believe them. I, I almost, well, first, there's no way. And then I'm like, okay, pretending I, to be, in, uh, to pretending to be goofy. I can see that. But then it turns out that them pretending saying that they were, were faking the whole time was part of a plot by Lothor to manipulate the generals. on. I'm like, I don't know what I was up is down and, and down is up and space is warped. The time is bendable. I don't know. Yeah, You know, while, you know, while cam is extremely, you know, cam is extremely disciplined and he's just very focused on becoming a ranger and doing what's right. Mara and Capri are just kind of the exact opposite of that. Yeah. And it dawned on me while I was watching the show, like, hold on. They're Cam's cousins. The implication seems to be that they are Lothor's nieces by marriage. And they got mm. knocked on him and he's basically babysitting them. Essentially. Yeah. That's the yeah. implication. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, wait a minute. They're cousins. Are we going to bring that up? And they don't until the last couple episodes. Then suddenly it's a big deal. <laughs> I don't know. They're entertaining enough. They, again, they don't quite get to diva tox levels of annoying. They're kind of foils for Lothor because they're even goofier than he is. It's like, it's like a lot of things in this, in this particular season of power Rangers where it walks right up to the line of goofy turboness, but it kind of, it, it goes, but it knows, it knows when too far, it, it yeah. knows when too far is far enough. Or okay. What? It just dawned on me. I think I understand how the, how the dynamic works. Mm-hmm. Characters like Lothor and uh, like Chubo and Zergain, which we'll talk about them here in a moment. They're trying in their own minds. They're trying incredibly hard to be competent, serious villains but they're trying so hard it's funny whereas mara and capri are genuinely incompetent and silly i think that's why they're foils so they're they're two goofballs amidst they are two goofballs surrounded by people who are trying too hard (laughs) 
Does that make sense? No, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. So I guess that's how it works because the other characters get annoyed with them. But then they have some interesting episodes where they actually try to get hands on with the Rangers. Mara has a bit of a crush on Dustin. And I was willing to go along with that for a hot minute. You know, I thought it could actually work. (laughs) Capri has a line that I thought that was, I was like, that's a deep cut where she makes a comment about how the planet, all the boys on the planet Triforia are three times as cute. I'm like, you're funny. (laughs) You gotta be a real power ranger nerd to get that one. To understand that joke. Yeah. 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 But then they also whip out random powers that they ever do again. Like Capri can grow to giant size on a whim. She only ever does it once. They try to do disguises to fool the Rangers. And sometimes it works. And it's just, they're a little all over the place, but kind of the nature of the show. Yeah, for sure. So, so let's get to our generals. Yeah, let's go. To, let's get to <laughs> Zergain and Chubo. Yeah, this season is like Lost Galaxy. Just this endless line of generals. In fact, there was at one point, I think there were five. And like the, yeah, like, yeah. yeah, there were five of them for a couple of episodes and they were all competing with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Zergain is our, he's the first one we, well, along with Chubo, but Zergain is supposed Zergain's to be the first one. Zergain, Zergain is the first one. He is Lothor's right hand man. He's, yeah. He's basically Goldar. He's basically Goldar. Yeah. He fits within that kind of Goldar. Uh, what is it? Like, uh, he's not as like devious as Deviat. But he's, he's a yes man. He's a yes man. He's competent, but, but also goofy. But also goofy, <laughs> and you know he just like his <laughs> his dry sense of humor pl- is is really an interesting contrast. Against yeah, and, and he gets Capri. there's Mara and Capri are there's a lot of jokes at uh, from them at Zergain's expense. Like if, again, one of the lines I consider is like, "For a guy without a mouth, you sure talk a lot." <laughs> Because he's just, he's a, he looks like samurai armor with big shoulders. He pulls swords out of his giant shoulder pads mm-hmm. and he has basically a samurai mask for a face. Yeah. But it's not like, it's not, the mask doesn't even have a face. It's just, it's just a black mask with a kanji on it. No, not even a kanji. It's just, it's just a design on it. And that's, that's his face. So they point out, it's like, how are you talking when you have no mouth and things like that? (laughs) I have no idea what he is. I don't know if he's a robot or what. (laughs) I don't, I don't even really remember because I've never, I don't know. I don't know anything about Hurricane Ager. So I don't even know where he fits in within that particular show. He definitely looks like he's from the Sentai. Lothor's not. No, Lothor is not. But I'm, I'm, I'm not doubting that. I'm not doubting that Zergain is from the Sentai. But I'm just saying is I don't know if he's part of our villain crew from the Sentai or if he's just a monster of the week. Because sometimes Power Rangers will just pull random monsters of the week into the crew without. Uh, uh, well, a couple of these generals certainly fit that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so now we move on to Kubo, who is the Rito to Zergain's Goldar. Maybe. Maybe I don't know. He's he's a he's a lot. 
He's a little bit more lighthearted and goofy than Zergane. Zergane's very light. Uh, I just looked up Zergane's Sentai counterpart, and it's Sargane, so they didn't change it all that much. And it says his true form is a small humanoid ant robot. Oh, okay. M- matches the end. They didn't thing, take that out of there. And he was in 45 episodes of Hurricane Ager, so he was a main character. Okay. Not a monster of the week. Okay. Um, anyway. <laughs> so, so Kubo. So Kubo. Kubo. Kubo uh, Chubo. Is Chubo. Whatever. Kubo, Chubo, Kujo. It all, it's all the same. <laughs> Kubo, Chubo and the three strings. Yeah. <laughs> so Kubo, Chubo, whatever. Chubo. He's the goofier <sighs> of the two. Yeah, he's got a really uh, like a uh, uh, dorky voice like this. He sounds like a cartoon character. But he's also kind of the scapegoat, too. He is. He gets picked on all the time. I'm pretty sure he should have died very early on and he but probably, in the Sentai. But they cheated. Really early, yeah, he probably died really early in the Sentai. So, yeah. Which I'm actually looking that up now because I have to know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh Kub- chubo uh, kubo i'm gonna get that name i'm just gonna go back and forth on that name just because you know just because that's how this that's how we roll but uh i like chubo as a character i think he's a good foil for zergain because zergain is just kind of this straight he it's a straight man villain where kubo is a little bit uh sillier and goofier i <laughs> his sentai name is chuzu uh, Chuz- chuzubo chuzubo <laughs> okay all right sure okay. I know. he was in 20 episodes so i guess he was in for a while he was in okay he so does he look was, a little he does look a little different yeah so he so he was a main cast villain um but i you know i don't have much to say about chubo honestly it's, he does have some interesting focus episodes he is kind of the scapegoat uh for this season in fact there was a there's a they kind of lean they try to do the um the henchman wanting revenge on the main villain trope with Chubo for a little while. And then they, <laughs> he don't. makes a lot of just kind of off the wall jokes. He gets shrunk yeah. for a while and then suddenly restored. And he makes a joke about there being a villains union, which I'm just like, where did that come from? <laughs> they just use him for a lot of absurd humor. <laughs> Projecting much. Uh, yeah, yeah, because uh, it was a non-union show. <laughs> you know, yeah. Ch- Chubo, Chubo is good. Yeah, Chubo's fine. Uh, you know, but he is no Vexicus. Vexicus, however, oh my gosh, actually really cool. Yeah, he's a bounty hunter. I thought it was just going to be a monster of the week. He looks mm-hmm. like a shark. Yeah, he, he has like a shark as a head. Yeah. And he has what well, looks. He has like a cybernetic eye, and it, that's and the the teeth from the shark mouth is basically forms a helmet. And you do not trifle with Vexicus. <laughs> Vexicus is he's deviant. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. He is ambitious. He wants to take over, and he's turning the trying to turn the other generals against them. Disney Brain said Vexicus is basically a serious Power Ranger villain, like a Lord Zed or a Goldar, you know, like a season one Goldar or whatever, that just shows up onto the Goofy show and tries to 
take over because he thinks he can. He thinks it'll be easy. And then humor. And then ironically, the goofy villains kill him. Spoiler warning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's kind of like, you know, Vexicus operates under that. The enemy of my enemy is my friend because it is revealed that, you know, he is the sworn enemy of Lothor and he's yeah. Lothor's rival for a while. Um, and then he joins forces with them for a little bit, I guess, to get in with, to try to destroy Lothor. And then he's killed by the goofballs. It's kind of funny, but it he does succeed funny. for a while there. Cause he takes out two of them, at least indirectly. One of which I'm like, that was weirdly gruesome. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? <laughs> which creates a little bit of tonal unevenness toward, uh, you know, like in the back end of Ninja Storm, because Suddenly it wanted to be more serious. I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I think Ninja, Ninja Storm kind of, I don't know. It's, it's everything a, works. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a little bit like turbo where it's goofy. It's goofy, but it gets better in like the back half. But unlike turbo, it knows what it wants to be. And it excels at that. Yeah. Pretty much. So Vexicus, pretty cool. He was in the, he made his first appearance in that Battleizer episode because he was trying to catch Skyla. Yeah. Yeah. He's, and then he just stuck around. I was like, oh, I didn't think you were going to stick around, but okay. That's where the bounty, that's where the bounty under aspect came in. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. I liked him. So Motodrone. 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 Who was, again, I thought, a monster of the week who stuck around. I like the design of this thing. Mm-hmm. He looks like evil C-3PO on steroids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's gold. He rides a motorcycle. He was originally a guy created by, I can't remember the, uh, the uh, Perry, by this one-off character named Perry. Mm-hmm. Perry was supposed to be this kind of awkward. I also kind of wonder if he's supposed to be on the spectrum, but I don't know. But he's this genius with technology and motocross, mm-hmm. and he's trying to make a better motorcycle. And it, in doing so, he turns himself into motor drone. And then he's at that point, he's a monster of the week. They defeat him and destroy the technology. But then Lothor and his crew find the bits of motor drone and rebuild him. And then he sticks around as a general. Mm-hmm. Until he's later killed by Vex by by Vexicus, who melts him to death, which is which is another, weirdly which gruesome. Is that, which is that gruesome death death that we we just talked about? Yeah, Motodrone, he's all right. Yeah, he's fine. Like he's I like like I said, I like the design. Uh, it's it's not an overly spectacular. It's again, it's it's not. It looks very Toei. Yeah, it, very very Toei. Again, very Sentai. Following with kind of the 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 theme of this season. It's cool. It works, but it's not. It doesn't wow me. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But they do have some pretty good fight scenes and some stunt work with him. Mm -hmm. I'll say that. And then then we get another. What? And then we get uh, Shimazu. Shimazu. Shimizu. Shimazu. Uh, So you're more. You are more uh, apt to talk about uh, kind of like. Asian culture and, and things like that. So Sh- Shimazu looks probably the most Japanese of all. He does. 
He does. He looks very Sentai. <laughs> very, very Sentai. Very, very. Yeah, sentai. he's supposed to be an ancient warlord. You know, he was in a he was a statue in a museum that absorbed a little bit of energy from Motodrome and came to life. And <laughs> so, and he has his own minions there for a while, and. Yeah, the uh, what is it? The the Kelzak's Furies, or I think it's what they're called. Or? No, that was someone else who got those. No, they were the Wolf Blades. The Wolf Blade. That's right. That's right. That's right. I'm getting them. I'm getting everything and mixed up. Actually, I just looked this up. It says it's possible this villain is named Shimazu because of his demonic appearance. In Japanese history, Shimazu Yoshihiro, head of the great Shimazu clan of the island Kyushu, was also referred to as the Devil Shimazu. Interesting. Okay. Okay. A little bit of, a little bit of Japanese history there. Um, but yeah, I like, I think Shimazu's design is, is it's very Japanese, but it's very cool. Uh, it fits with the, it fits with the tone. Now, one thing that. Oh, the- spoiler warning. Apparently Shimazu's Sentai counterpart killed the green samurai ranger. <laughs> oh, sh- <laughs> oh bleep <laughs> oh dragon flute <laughs> yeah okay uh <laughs> anyway so one thing that i'm really, I, I don't know if you've noticed but the more the deeper we get into these other seasons the more i guess overly designed our villains become the more because- overly designed everything yeah more overly designed everything gets because if you look back at the original mighty Morphin, we get a lot of kind of more subtly designed villains uh especially if you look at sport if you look back at scorpina and goldar i mean goldar is pretty elaborate but he's still not as over the top as say a shimazu or even a vexicus or uh um or a chubo you know, he's not as like overly designed. <laughs> yeah, where Shubo has a giant pocket dimension box on his back. And yeah, yeah. so it's like I'm just I'm just curious if you noticed like a lot of these villains start getting very overly designed. Oh, yes. Like, like I said, it's just everything is because this is the 2000s and that's when we got to start being nutty. It's the, <laughs> it's the it's the season of excess. Uh, except there's more than one, but, (laughs) uh, but yeah, Shimazu is pretty cool. He's, he's loyal to a point, but if Vexicus is able to turn him a bit, cause that's what I will say. There were a couple of episodes where the five generals form a council and they're just all fighting with each other. That's pretty entertaining. I'm like, okay, that's different. That's something we don't typically see. No, when we had Lost Galaxy, where they had a bunch of generals, because one would die, and then one would, and then another would come along and replace him. Sure. So it was this rotating door uh-huh. of generals. This time they're all there. There's five of them for a couple episodes. So that was kind of amusing. So there's a power struggle. Mm-hmm. So I'm like power struggles are kind of nice in the bad guys. It is because it's you know it's it's a trope that we saw. It's actually it's a trope that we saw kind of early on in the franchise that's kind of continued. And I think when done well, when it's done by say a Darkonda or uh, or a Deviat, and it's done really well, it can be a really effective way to mm-hmm. give some give some uh, maybe internal uh, conflict with even within within even our villains. Mm-hmm. 
All right. And now let's talk about our foot soldiers for this season, the Kelzaks and their variant, the Kelzak Furies. They're I mean, okay. They're okay. It's, they're no putties. You know, it's they're no putties. Um, I almost like the turd. I almost, we've not gotten there yet, but I almost like the turd, the Tyranodrones more. Um, but the, the one thing that the turd, the, Jeez. The one thing that the Kelzaks have over like some of our other villains is they stand out like they're very unique compared to, uh, well, maybe not as unique as the Swabies, but um, <laughs> they're they're very unique within as far as far as yeah. like henchmen and foot soldiers go. Like they're fine. Yeah. You know, they they're fine. Yeah, they are from the Sentai. I did double check that. So these are not like the Quantrons or the Piranatrons where they're invented for the show. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're definitely like, they 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 look they're they look like I don't know they they're ninjas. They have funny helmets, black spandex with stitches. I guess sure. <laughs> the Furies are red. They reverse the colors, so they're instead of black with red highlights, they're red with black highlights. I think the Furies look a little bit better personally. Yeah, I think I would. I think honestly, they could have done something like they've done with other foot soldiers, where they mix the Furies in with the the normal Kelzaks and just kind of made this very unique looking army. I guess. I don't yeah. Know. The, the only thing, the one thing I can't figure out is whether or not they're supposed to be robots or living beings. I'm not sure. It's I'm never a little confused really, on that. I don't believe it's ever really specified. Maybe they're zombies. That could be kind of interesting. Maybe they're zombies, which we'll see actual zombies later on in Power Rangers, but we'll get there. So, yeah, the Ranger Wiki doesn't say what they are. So, you know, those are the Kelzaks. They're okay. So, I want to get into the, the Zords, Zords yeah. which uh, it's, it's it's kind of fairly, okay. It's not the, the, the number of Zords is manageable. not that nuts. Like, it, but it has the wild force. If keeps with the wild force trend, you, having a lot of uh, modulation and combinations. Because the gimmick with the Zords is they have what do they call them? Like battle spheres or whatever that or, that make weapons. Yeah, the and they have little coins that they can put in, and they have a catchphrase for the coins. What is it? It's like uh, dr- uh, drop and lock or whatever. Drop, lock, and pop it. I did <laughs> moving on anyway. So, <laughs> so there's all these weird little power-ups and weapons that they can get that some of which are incredibly Japanese, very Japanese. What is the name of that little game? Um, that you Kendama. Kendama. There we go. Cause there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a monster of the week in Zeo that's shaped like a Kendama, which uh, if you're not, if anyone out there is not familiar, the Kendama is this kind of like, it's a skills game, right? Nathan, it's a skills yeah, game. Where- it's, it's a little toy and it has a ball attached to a string and you have, it's uh, you hold a pole and then it has little cups and things that are attached to the pole and you're supposed and, uh, and uh, hooks, I guess not hooks, but uh, I guess, spikes and you're supposed to kind of flip the thing around on the string and get and get the ball to land on the cups if you really want to show off because there's a little hole in the ball you flip it around and you get it to go right into the hole and and come onto the top which is what they do when they have the kendama here so it's on the the spike on the top 
and then they swing it around like a mace. Yeah. The ball. So very, very Japanese. (laughs) So I I will admit to you with a couple of exceptions, these Zords all kind of blend together for me, especially the Megazords. Yeah. The Megazords are fine. Like I like them. I like the Megazords. Um, The hurricane Megazord slash ultra Zord, which has the Ninja firebird, you know, and I barely remember that that's there. And then there's the thunderstorm Megazord, which is, uh, which actually that's when that's when the thunder wait so so you have the storm megazord made up of the hawk zord lion zord and Uh, dolphin Dolphin zord that's our uh, that's our first megazord that's our first and it and it has a power up called lightning mode that's i swear when they switch it it poses like ultraman a little yeah you're not wrong yeah, yeah. You're, you're not wrong. It's kind of like if you're if anyone out there is familiar with um if you're if you guys remember like the battle borgs from Mighty Morphin Alien Rangers, yeah. it's kind of like that. It's like a slimmed down version of the yeah. Storm Megazord. Yeah, and it looks and feels like an Ultraman when it does that. Kinda, yeah. I mean, I I personally I know you're kind of underwhelmed by the by the Zords with in Ninja Storm. I don't mind the Megazord, honestly. I think it's not as the lightning over- mode version is my favorite. The, out light, of all yeah, of the lightning mode the lightning mode version is pretty cool, but like I like the Storm Megazord. It's not like like some Zords we'll see later where they're just incredibly over designed and you're wondering and you're thinking to yourself, how can that suit actor even move? Um, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, and what's kind of weird is that the lightning mode is supposed to only last for a minute, which they don't lean into as much as I wish they did. And then they're very Ultraman. Yeah, very Ultraman, except he can't last as long as Ultraman. But that's what she said. said. There we go. All right. I can't believe we've gone this whole time and I haven't hit that button until now. Oh, boy. Okay. (laughs) At least Ultraman can go three minutes. I'm just saying. but no, it's, it's lightning mode. <laughs> yeah, but but the the storm the storm Megazord it's it's pretty cool. I like the storm Megazord. It can it like this continues the trope that we're gonna see throughout the rest of Power Rangers, where they have these different modes and power ups mm-hmm. and ancillary Zords that form these different uh, yeah these to different be honest, weapons. I think the the three separate Zords are more interesting than the Megazord. Especially since the way that they're hidden is they're pretending to be other things. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, that's incredibly like the Hawk Zord is a jet plane. Mm-hmm. And the, the Lion Zord, uh, the, uh, the Dolphin Zord is a boat. Mm-hmm. My favorite is the Lion Zord. Like, you get some credit there, show. You get some credit there, Toei, because it's masquerading as a Ferris wheel. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. that's the main. And then it has a fan in the main so that it can do wind attacks. I'm like, I like this. I do. Why don't you use the bar often? I know you've you you've said that. I think you 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 prefer this. You prefer it when the separate Zords can do things like they don't just automatically. Combine I like and that's it. I like solo Zord action. You do because it's so easy to just go with the formula and just have them combine. I so, want more solo Zord action. We get a little bit here when you're home alone. Do you do some solo Zord action? Ha <laughs> 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 
okay. So there's your there's your there's your dirty joke for the episode. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we were told we need we more dirty told jokes. We need to inject more dirty jokes into our episodes. Okay, there we go. There's our dirty <laughs> well, There you go. And then what's the next one? Is it Hurricane or is it Thunder Megazord? I don't Thunderstorm Megazord is I don't it's, know. And then there's uh, a Thunder Megazord. I am so confused. There's okay. So the Thunder Megazord is the Thunder Rangers because they have the Crimson Insectazord. And the Navy, Navy Beetle Zord. Yes. Which, okay, so I want to park here just for a second because I didn't actually know this and until I listened to an episode of your other show with our co-host in common uh, on Henshin Men when you guys talked about... Uh, rhino Beetles. You know, rhino Beetles. So you want to... Yeah, they're a big deal of, in Japan. Yeah. Apparently it's... For a lot of Japanese kids, especially boys, rhino beetles are their first pets and they sell them in pet stores with kits so that you can feed them and take care of them and things like that. It's a big deal. Mm -hmm. It's a big cultural thing. And I forget which of the Thunder Rangers it is, but he is based on a rhinoceros beetle because he's got the the horn and the crimson it was the crimson i think it's the crimson yeah, yeah and his crimson, yeah. his zord looks like a rhinoceros beetle and you'll see right now we talked about it because there's a monster of the week in the original common writer who's a rhinoceros beetle and the megalon the infamous megalon from godzilla fame is a rhinoceros beetle and then we have our navy beetle zord which is essentially just a stag beetle which is a because it's yep. got the two it's got the two pinchers and if you remember like the name stag beetle that was the name of a monster of the week from um uh from mighty morphin season two yeah mighty morphin season two uh it's from some of the zhu two footage but mm-hmm. a stag beetle has is the is the is the kind that has like the two pincers on the front of its on the front of its face so mm-hmm. the two of them can combine to form to form the thunder megazord but when the thunder megazord combines with the storm megazord what do you get <gasps> the thunderstorm megazord <laughs> you get the thunderstorm megazord because of course <laughs> We've already joked about it. I mean, like we didn't talk about this, but the morphing catchphrase is a little bit different depending on who it is. I like the rhyme, but it's, it's no, it's morphing time, but it's hard to be. It's morphing yeah, time. It's a, it's, uh, it's no, but you know, it's uh for the first three Rangers, it's Digistorm Ranger form. Okay. And then the Thunder Rangers, it's Thunderstorm Ranger form. And then for Cam, it's Samurai Storm Ranger form. And then they, turn it to PS2 models of themselves with P with probably, well, I think PS2 had better graphics even. Um, <laughs> I'm just like, why, why do we need CGI Rangers now? I'm glad that got dropped after this show. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Same. I mean, we still get some CGI, but it's not as prevalent. Um, and then we get, uh, we talked a little bit about this already, but Sam's. No, no, we need to talk about the borderline. I, I, I can't believe that happened award because mini sword. God. Remember wheelie <laughs> from transformers. That's what this thing is. Essentially. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he just pops out and he's like, I am Minizard. And then he just says like, combine. And then they switch up modes and then he turns into 
fists and a mask or something. I don't know. The thing is weird. I don't know why it's here. <laughs> it is what it is. It is. Anyway. What it, is. it is what it is. But we have, we've already touched on it a little bit. So we have to talk, we have to talk a little bit more on, uh, on the samurai star chopper, which can be the samurai star chopper, samurai star megazord, which can also connect to the storm megazord to form the samurai storm megazord that can then transform into the samurai thunder megazord when it combines with the thunder megazord. Honestly, is actually kind of an impressive looking zord. Yeah, is there's just so much. It's not as many as wild force. But there's so much modularity so here that I lose track. So many common and it all and it, it and they all share a very similar naming convention. It's all weather themed, and it's really <laughs> hard to keep track of them all. <laughs> yeah, it is because they're swapping out all the time and making new weapons. And just I, I just I can't. And keep then up. and then you get something that just feels completely out of place for this season. Mastodon. The, oh wait, <laughs> Mastodon. Uh, no, the mighty mammoth, which is essentially their carrier zord for this. Uh, oh my for, gosh, for this, this thing is bonkers. It's gigantic. It's <laughs> so huge. It is so huge. Like oh, there's some nice epic shots with a Megazord riding on this giant thing's back. Like, like it's look at the size. What's of that the show called? Primal or whatever with the caveman who rides the Mastodon and yeah, something like that or Mammoth or whatever. Uh, Never seen at, it. So look at the size of the tusks on that thing, man. Come on. <laughs> well, you know, I, I so I guess he's the horny Zord. Nah, that you need a want, want, want. You need a sad try. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's more appropriate. Thank you, sir. Uh, you gotta try harder. But yeah, you get we get the mighty mammoth Zord, which uh can combine with to form the thunderstorm Ultra Zord, which can then combine with all the other Zords to form <laughs> the Hurricane Ultra Sword. I just. <laughs> <laughs> by all our playsets and toys <laughs> but in all i know we're making light of it because this is kind of a light-hearted season i get it but to be fair though like i really want to watch the sentai to figure out like where this thing comes from and if this and if the way they get it is the same as it is in the sentai which is just really it's just this a really weird looking carrier zord in my opinion well, in case you want to know, in the Sentai, this thing is called the Super Katakuri Beast Revolver Mammoth. That's an actually um, that is actually, in my opinion, a more epic name than Hurricane Ultra Zord. No, that's just what the mammoth is called. Oh, that's just what the mammoth is called. Wow. Okay. Super Katakuri Beast Revolver Mammoth. Okay. Only a hundred. Oh, it's 150 meters long. Good Lord. That's almost a. Th- <sighs> uh, that, that's uh, approximately one and a half. Hey, say Godzilla's. <laughs> and it is 85 meters tall. So about the size of a it's, it's about the size and length of a Hey, say Godzilla. If you count the tail approximately yeah so okay that's 
I mean, the thing's massive. It's it 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 it's our alt. It is our carrier zord for this season, and typically carrier zords tend to be. And everything combined is called the Revolver Tenrai Senpujin. Sen what? That you can't say that on this show. <laughs> but no, this thing's this thing's incredibly epic, and I really don't have much else to say about the zords aside from that. They can. It's just it's just really really epic. For sure. All right, let's talk about a few monsters of the week that we'd like to highlight. Sure. So I don't know what yours are. Some of them I picked because I genuinely liked them. Some of them I picked because they are patently absurd. Well, I picked one. I picked one only because of its name or her name, I should say. Oh, really? Yes. Well, the first one on my list, because this is one I genuinely liked, is Beevil. Damn it, you took it. <laughs> so Beevil, who I'm like, why does she look so much like Mara? Because in the in Ninja Storm, she's one of Mara's best friends. And then I looked it up. Beevil, Beevil's Sentai counterpart is a robot version of Mara's Mara. Sentai counterpart, who is bee-themed. Okay, makes it so much more make it makes so much more sense now. Mm-hmm. I liked her personality. She had some good one-liners. She's the one who creates the Zel- uh, the Kelzax Furies. I genuinely like the episode that she was in. It's also the same one where Dustin ha- and Mara have a crush on each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I like that one. Yeah. Uh, you'll like this one only because of its Spider-Man reference, but Sob Goblin. No, it's Slob Goblin. Sorry, Slob Goblin. Sorry. Goblin is what does he do? Make everyone sad? Like he, like everyone who gets within ten feet of him, it becomes a manic depressant. Is that what? You'll <laughs> be the happiest. Guy. He's he just he's a his his name should be Party Pooper. At that, like he just walks into a room and just like. <laughs> But this one fits be an interesting monster of the week. To be honest, like uh, you just get within ten feet of him and you're just depressed. <laughs> this one, uh, this one appeared in tongue in, in an episode called Tongue and Cheek, appropriately named, uh, and Storm Before the Calm Part Two. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, I mean, it's this one fits into the more, I guess, absurd, the absurd-ish category. Mm-hmm, for sure. I mean, there's it's Sentai. <laughs> They're gonna be nuts. I also had the Wolf Blades. We've talked about them a little bit already. Bit, yeah. They're the personal henchmen of Shimazu. They're wolf creatures, and when they, what's interesting about them is that when they get big, they don't talk or anything. They just growl and bark. But when they get big, they combine into basically a Cerberus, which is kind of cool. Yeah, the Wolf Blade uh, conglomerate is what it's called. It's what it's listed as. The Wolf Blade conglomerate. Sounds that like a, sounds like a cutthroat Japanese co- corporation. corporation. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Where do you work, the Wolf Blade it, it conglomeration? Conglomerate. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna throw one out there that's also in the more absurd category, and that's. Footzilla. Oh my gosh, that one! 
That one wrecked me. When I was watching, I'm like, wait, you named him Footzilla and Toho didn't sue you? First off, and just, he's a, he's a foot. His face is a foot. His head is a foot. And there were, oh my gosh. The monsters this season are so sassy. Very they're much. Fantastic. I mean, we, we haven't talked about this yet. We, if you thought previous seasons of Power Rangers were punny, oh my gosh. So many. <laughs> and the I felt like the Footzilla episode in particular ha- was just like, man, if you took a shot watching this, if you took a shot every time there was a pun, you would die of alcohol poisoning inside of 10 minutes <laughs> watching that episode. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So many. <laughs> it was so weird. So what's what's another one for you? Oh, well, I did have Footzilla. I'm going to save the uh, one of them for last cuz I think this is one that's this is probably my favorite one out of the bunch other than maybe Beevil is my last one, but the next one I had, I really only had him just because I think he's a reference and that's Mr. Ratwell. Mr. Ratwell, yes. Or as I, or as I like to call him, Evil Mickey Mouse. <laughs> Baby. <laughs> that's basically was- what he looks like. I'm like, when he when he appeared, I'm like, you're Evil Mickey Mouse, aren't you? Maybe this was maybe this was Disney poking fun at itself. More like the filmmakers poking fun at their bosses. <laughs> that too. <laughs> Uh, that was really the only reason I picked him. <laughs> so I think I'm just going to go with, I, I got one more. I'm going to go with, and this is listed as a monster of the week. So I guess technically it's a monster of the week, but it's, uh, the hyper Zergain is Oh yeah. Cause the, vil- all the generals have their own zords. Zord. Yeah. Which is, we'll, 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 we'll see that more in SPD, but yeah. Which, what's really weird is, Mara's Zord, I think, is just the Beevil suit. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, and there's also like I had I had a couple like honorable mentions too. I'll just go through really quickly. Like the Lothor Zord. Yeah. Okay, that one's pretty okay. That was pretty cool. And the Chin Dragon, which is just a <laughs> kind of a just a reference to Japanese dragons or a. Um, uh, why, why, why didn't they call it the Leno Dragon? Ha. Okay. God. Anyway, what was your last one that you were saving? Isaac. Isaac? <laughs> Isaac. Isaac? As in the son of Abraham? Yes. Uh, no. Okay. It's a pun. Oh, I... Zach. Oh, okay. I thought you were, I thought we were making it like a biblical reference there. I was, you turned it into that. Oh, I don't know how much of this you're keeping. Okay. <laughs> anyway, Isaac, why did you, why did you pick Isaac? Cause for one thing, he looks insane. He's probably the most terrifying monster of the week in this show. And his superpower is that he can put a collar on you. And give you waking nightmares. Yeah. Yeah. Which 
is used to semi-humorous effect with most characters and in slightly disturbing ways with another one, which we'll get into. Yeah. Anyway, that's all I had. So time for our trademark thematic discussion. This is my favorite part. As it should be. This is so, what this is what the people's come for. This is what they signed up for. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so we uh, so we kind of we kind of touched on this a little bit early on in the episode. At least I I know I mentioned it a couple of times, and we've been trying to we've been kind of trying to save it for this thematic part. We've been kind of we honestly I think we've been kind of like uh, dancing around it slightly during this entire conversation, but. After our, I will just say this, our original, our original theme that we thought was for Ninja Storm was heritage. Because Mm -hmm. when you're deep, when you're talking about these, like, like these samurai, like very deep heritage uh, themes connected to like spirituality, tradition, tradition, and, and this like, is it, no, it's not Shintoism. Would it be Shintoism? Uh, would you consider this Shintoism? No, not really. Okay. Although Shintoism would have more of an influence on this than say Buddhism okay. for sure. So when we were kind of exploring themes, we really thought the theme of, of Ninja storm was heritage. And then I texted you the other night and I was like, well, maybe the theme is actually just potential. Yeah. And I thought, you know what? That makes more sense. Cause we were at, there's elements of heritage in this, which we've hinted at with the family relations and how, according to ninja tradition, you're supposed to shun those who have been dishonored. Okay. Okay. But it didn't, it wasn't quite gelling for me. Sure. And I think I had suggested a different theme to you just as when I was only a handful of episodes in just as a thought I think it was like discipline or something like that. It was, which, yeah, it was like it was like discipline and honor or something like that. Yeah. And then when you texted me the other night and said, "Why uh, how about <laughs> potential?" Like, you know what? That makes so much more sense because that's what this whole season is predicated on. These we we find out and it feels a little bit like a retcon even though the opening tells us this every episode, but we find out that Lothar has had a master plan this entire time. He has what he called the scroll of destiny. And by the way, they use, he used the scroll of empowerment to make the monsters grow. Sure. That he launches from his ninja spaceship. Sure. Sure. But anyway, and he said he's been using that to, you know, carry out his master plan. Mm -hmm. And his master plan is to fill the, this has got to be one of the most (laughs) mighty morphin sounding names, the abyss of evil. Let's just call it hell. Okay. But (laughs) But we can't call it hell, but we we can't call it hell. I mean, Apollyon is probably down there because he comes from the abyss, you know, but (laughs) Bible jokes anyway. So, which explains why he was manipulating the generals to kill each other off and probably why he's not bothered by losing the monsters, even though he acts upset and things like that. We also find out that the our three rangers, our starting rangers, the wind rangers, were 
basically destined according to this prophetic scroll. And I don't know why these things are prophetic or, you know, they're kind of MacGuffins, whatever. They don't really explain what they are. But yeah, they're, 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 they're a little MacGuffin-y. I, I'm, I'm yeah. talking with you. Yeah. Yeah. But they, it says they, you got, you were chosen for this, even though you're unlikely heroes because you're not the best students at the ninja school. Yeah. And it really is based on more on what they could become as opposed to who they are currently. And then that plays out for the rest of the season because there are other characters who are also trying to live up to their potential. The under Rangers to a certain extent are cam is pursuing his potential and, and achieves that relatively early on. He does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's talk a really of, interesting, even the villains like, in a really, and Capri, the, you know, Lothor talks about how they could live up to their potential as villains. Uh, you know, yeah. So you know, Cam also. What I was going to backtrack here just a little bit because we kind of we touched on it a little bit in the episode, but you know, Cam kind of reaches his full potential as a ranger in a really interesting way when he has to fight his mother, which kind of which in a, which kind of plays into that heritage aspect that we were, that we were kind of mulling over, but it's all, but it fits more within the category of potential because cam ultimately reached his full potential to becoming the samurai ranger against mm-hmm. his father, maybe even, even against his father's wishes mm-hmm. or in spite of them, in spite of his father's wishes. Right. Because you can't, and this is this, I think we were also toying around with destiny and like surrounding the, just surrounding Cam's story arc. You can't change. It's this idea. You can't mm-hmm. change. You can't change destiny. Basically. And there's, because there's talk of that too, as usually happens with <laughs> stories like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's even, I'm just double checking to see if it's part of the awards I have or not. Uh, no, I don't have that as one of the awards, but uh, Sensei, one of the more profound things that Sensei said was, I think it was, I'm paraphrasing horribly probably, but he said like, it, uh, you know, it is a powerful man who chooses his own destiny. I'm like, ooh, I like that. Mm, that is, it is, that's a good, that's good. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah. Uh, thanks for, the, for avoiding the ninja nonsense right there. That's a, that's a good one. Yes. <laughs> yes. Anyway. Yes, quite. <laughs> yes. <laughs> No one's heard that episode yet, man. <laughs> uh, yes, quite. Anyway, uh, no, no, you know, Cam's Cam's whole story arc, even with our the rest of our Rangers, like they finally kind of live up to their potential because we because we as we pointed out, when we first meet our first three Rangers. They're not necessarily Ranger material. They kind of have no, to. That Cam makes that abundantly clear. It's like, really? Them and right. not me? What's wrong with you? They kind of have to, well, they, 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 they don't do a good job with this in my opinion, but they, I would like to think that they kind of grow into their roles as Rangers and they, they grow into their potential. It's also mm-hmm. part of their destiny, you know, because as foretold by the mythic scrolls, but, um, but I feel like they also have to, you know, kind of work at, you know, growing in their, in their, in their potential as Rangers, mm-hmm. which all like, as I pointed out earlier, especially with, uh, some of Shane's focus episodes, especially the one where he gets his battleizer, um, it feels more earned that way because mm-hmm. he is growing into his potential as the leader of the power Rangers. 
Mm-hmm. I would agree. And even when they're doing their pursuits outside of ranger duty, the, the extreme sports, they're chasing their potential there as well, mm-hmm. because that's what athletes do, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's it's what it's what all I feel like that's what all athletes aspire mm-hmm. to do is, is to mm-hmm. is to chase after their uh, is to chase after their potential to chase after what they could be what they know they can be but they maybe not necessarily have realized it yet mm-hmm. and that's reflected like I said negatively with the villains we especially with Capri and Mara mm-hmm. who despite being goofballs are trying to pursue their own potential as evil space ninjas Lothor ended up where he was because he was as a young man chasing his potential and decided to take shortcuts to get there mm-hmm. <laughs> and then was which we could, do a whole, and, we could probably do a whole episode on on just that alone yeah um, yeah and then he was shamed and outcast for it mm-hmm. shunned by his family so like i said we're seeing it in different forms throughout. And that's why, honestly, it just makes more sense. Now it's tied to heritage, like you've been saying, because there's expectations that are attached to it, cultural expectations, familial expectations. And that's why, honestly, I find, even though I wouldn't rank it as one of the best finales in Power Rangers, the finale for this show feels appropriate for Ninja Storm. Yeah, it's one of the, it's definitely one of the more interesting finales. Yeah, because we see. we see our character, all of this stuff come to fruition, and honestly, one of the most epic looking, you know, shots in all the Power Rangers, where they basically bring back every single monster suit mm-hmm. in one big battle, and they rescue all the people from the ninja school. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, they rescue all of the ninja students, I should say, from the ship and. Then what's interesting is that it comes down to Lothor and our first three Rangers, and they defeat him without their Ranger powers. They use their ninja powers to defeat him. And in doing so, because he has all of their, he drained all their Ranger powers into an artifact that he was using. Mm-hmm. And then they cast him into the Abyss of Evil, which we hear us talk about that in the next episode of Word Dino Thunder. And by doing that, they lose their ranger powers. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bittersweet. A little, yeah. But like I said, it's very fitting that they win without their ranger powers. I like that. I was like, you know what? I, I give credit where credit is due. You get some credit there, Ninja Storm. Yeah. I mean, this may not be my, this may never be my favorite season. This may never even crack the top 10. But I will give Ninja Storm credit for, um, I will give Ninja Storm credit for what it tried to do. And this kind of plays in, this whole theme of potential honestly plays mm-hmm. into It works how, metatextually. It works metatextually as, because of, of how, of how Disney was kind of treating the franchise at this point too, because I think we've, we've already talked about it a little, I think we've already talked about it a little bit. I know we've talked about this in private, but it's pointed out by uh, the Disney brain that a lot of the things, a lot of the kind of the ideas and tropes and things that are established in Ninja Storm are perfected uh, later on in later seasons. Yeah. Like, like, uh, like Dino Thunder, RPM, uh, uh, the girl who played Kira, 
in Dino Thunder. She auditioned to be Tori. Mm-hmm. She didn't get the part. And then she came back next season, got to be a ranger. And honestly, I think she works better as Kara than she does than she would have as Tori. I think so too. I mean, I could see her kind of in both roles because they both are very similar characters in their own right. But I, I really think Kira works the best as the yellow thunder, uh, as the yellow dino thunder ranger. Yeah, for sure. And then the, the, the fourth wall jokes come back in RPM. There was in the very, very, very early stages of Ninja storm. They were going to bring Tommy back. Then they decided not to mm-hmm. and saved him for dino thunder. Which appropriate, I think, I think that, you know, I think allowing Ninja Storm to kind of stand on its own merits was a good decision by Disney. Yeah. So with Ninja Storm, they're trying to get back more tonally to, to the early days of Mighty Morphin while also trying to tap into the then popular anime of Naruto. I mean, Naruto is still popular now, but it was definitely the new hotness at the time in the anime world. yeah, it was it was definitely like the new hotness. It was like Pokemon levels of hotness back. Yeah, when basically show, when this show yeah. came out. So but- you know they were te- so there was that going on, and then Dino Thunder is a true full fledged return to form spiritual successor to Mighty Morphin because mm-hmm. we're back to high school with high school heroes and you know teenage heroes. And Tommy is back. and But I feel like Ninja Storm was the step toward that. Yeah, I think I think Ninja Storm. Ninja Storm was Ninja Storm was necessary. Um, I, I don't want to disc. I never want to discount Ninja Storm as like a throwaway season because I think Ninja Storm was necessary <sighs> as, like you said, a, a stepping stone towards something better with what we get with Dino yeah. Thunder and SPD and some later seasons. I think, I think Ninja Storm was necessary to help kind of iron out some of those, um, those new Disney kinks. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was you know, the proving of, ground. It was the proving ground, right? It was, in, in kind <laughs> of which like, was probably a quarry, which is pointed out. It was like, oh man, not another quarry. <laughs> is, there's that one, there's a, there's a line. I think it's like the first or second episode where cam says another quarry. Is there like a monster convention down there? Which also, <laughs> which also kind of works a little bit weird. If you're, if you're, if you're familiar with the Godzilla franchise, because it's like, uh, what is, is it GMK? No, it's not GMK. What is it? Um, it's the line. It's like, it's like a monster convention. It's GMK. Yeah, it's GMK. Um, I think it's uh, uh, Godzilla, Mothra, King Ghidorah, giant monsters all out attack for the uneducated or for the un, in, um, uninitiated, for the uninitiated, which uninitiated. people yeah. that is the real title. Yes. Yeah. For the uninitiated, <laughs> that is a Godzilla movie title. Anyway, we're, we're big Godzilla fans here too. Um, but anyway, Godzilla. yeah. So, um, this was this, you know, Ninja Storm was definitely the proving ground for something that would be perfected later. And you know, yeah. I, maybe I'm reading a little bit too much into it, but maybe, but I, if, but that's what people come here for. Right. right. <laughs> but I really think that, you know, in a really weird way, after thinking about it some and after uh, after it kind of dawning on me after your plot, honestly, it just dawned on me right after you read the plot synopsis was you know, kind of, uh, sensei being a, being a guinea pig was kind of a metaphor for how Disney was treating this season. Yeah. 
in a way. It was like, mm-hmm. this was the guinea pig season for Power Rangers to see if it was still a viable property to continue. Yeah, because, you know, it's so weird that they buy it half through halfway through one season. And they're like, we're just going to cancel it. Like, why did you buy it? <laughs> why did you buy it? Did you only buy it for name recognition and to and to resell toys? Come on, guys. I don't get whatever. OK, I don't understand you. But I also think for the the, the intended kid audience with this, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to the Ranger characters. And I think this is a lesson that all of us can benefit from. And that's realizing that with very, very, very rare exceptions, even if you have a lot of raw talent, you still need to refine it. That is still just potential. You need to work at it in order to achieve whatever that level of prowess is that you want to get to. So remembering that you have potential and then striving to achieve that potential, I think is, like I said, I think that is a very important lesson because (laughs) a lot of people in our generation and in the zoomers, they seem to have this crazy idea that it's just going to happen. It's almost provincial or is it, it's not, is it provincial? Is it prevent like the pro speaking of speaking in terms of the proverbs, um, proverbial, proverbial, there we go. Proverbial. It's almost proverbial. Like, um, where like everyone has this kind of, whether you believe in God or not, but this kind of God given potential, God, the universe, whatever you believe in, um, potential inside of them. It just takes maybe it just takes a little bit of mentorship. It takes a little bit of kind of practice and it takes a little bit of just kind of going through things. Mm-hmm. That's to why really the hero's journey that. resounds with people. Right. It's like, it's why we, it's why we love things. Li- it's why we love things like power Rangers. Cause especially with, um, with Ninja storm. And, and we talked about this too, with, with mighty Morphin the movie, um, the theme of this hero's journey, this reaching your potential, this, you know, this culmination of, of, of circumstances and talent and raw, just emotional and raw emotion and skill kind of culminate into this one kind of melting pot that forms us as human beings. Hmm. This sounds familiar. Like your favorite movie that we'll be talking about later in the season. (sighs) (laughs) Moving on. Um, (laughs) I know you two used to drink a lot. I get it. <laughs> you're not gonna you're not gonna trap me this day, Marchand. You're not gonna trap me this day. The day will come. The day. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it, seriousness. Is it is it, it Hamilton it, it, live in fear? But in all seriousness. I'm the Vexicus to your Lothor. <laughs> <laughs> But in all seriousness, as I say this for the third time, um, Ninja Storm is a really interesting season because this is the this is true. And like we talked about this a little bit with with Wild Force. Wild Force is technically the transitionary point for for the franchise where it's it's changing hands from Saban to Disney. Ninja Storm is truly 
in its thematics, in its in its rangers, in its characters, in the way it sets up its in, in the way it sets up its storylines and its villains and things, it truly Ninja Storm truly does feel like more of a transitionary season for the franchise. It does. It does. It helped to pave the way for what we would start to see throughout the rest of the Disney era. And yeah. I'm guessing mm-hmm. beyond. Yeah. But so- anyway. Ninja Storm is just Ninja Storm is just kind of just one step in the direction of of the franchise reaching its full potential. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But now it's time to fulfill our potential and talk about the awards. Nice segue, by the way. Uh, that's why they pay me the big bucks, right? You mean free? You do this for free? Yes. <laughs> You hired me for nothing. This is slave labor. Oh, no, this is not slave labor, sir. You're, admit it. You're having fun. Oh, I am having a ball. Anyway, so first up, we have the Power Range of Motion Award for the best stunt or fight scene. I see we have the same one. Essentially. Essentially. I phrased mine slightly different. So for my Power Range of Motion award uh i'm gonna go with cam versus his mother miko which we've already said is not the most interesting fight in terms of like fight choreography in the in the season but it's interesting in terms of thematics and it's interesting in terms of it's something we don't see or we've never seen before in power rangers up to this point was a uh, a son versus a mother. Mm-hmm. There's weirdly enough, there isn't all that much motherly presence in power Rangers. There's a lot of fatherly figures very much. Yeah. Not as many f- motherly figures, which is kind of weird. So when we get stuff like this, it really stands out. And so that was pretty good. Mine is sort of related. It's from the same episode, but it's cam versus Kia. AKA young Lothor. Okay. Okay. And I liked that one because one, it's an unmore fight. So, and it's entirely Disney footage. It's not Sentai footage. And they make a force field so that they, uh, so that really confines their battlefield and they fight with wooden swords. Okay. And it's got great choreography, some nice cinematography. The force field is a very nice set piece, mm. you know, keeping them confined like that. So I really enjoyed it because it's very unique um, in the rest of the season. And also, like I said, because it's all American footage, Mm -hmm. which I think really shows how good that they got at doing the action scenes in the American footage. Yeah, we're we're seeing like we're we're seeing the the definite progression of Power Rangers Mm -hmm. and Sentai because it's it, it is becoming harder to discern the difference between mm-hmm. the Sentai footage mm-hmm. and the actual mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Disney footage. Mm-hmm. And there's some point. thematic and story weight in that fight as well. Very much. Yeah. You know, and shows, like I said, Lothor was scarier when he was a young man. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out how we went from Kia, the, the scary teenager to Luchasatsu. <laughs> So for our next award, it's the Ultra SFX Zord Award, and this is the award we give to the best special effect. And it was really hard for me to pick, so I'm just going to go ahead and just pick one out of thin air and just say the Samurai Chopper slash Samurai 
uh, star Megazord because I just I just think it's cool looking and it really stands out because we have um, what I guess what I assume are are meant to be more I guess organically based Zords with the lion sort of sort of yeah with the lion and the hawk and the dolphin which this is the first time we've ever seen a dolphin Zord which is really kind of comical uh, in a way. <laughs> Yeah, Flipper Zord. Anyway, uh, I just, it just, the Samurai Zord just kind of sticks out as a, as an interesting one in this season because, you know, like I said, everything is just meant to be, meant to feel a little bit more organic. And it's, and it's kind of this uh, weird um, contrast of the, of organic and, you know, kind of machinery technology with the, with the Samurai Megazord. Okay. I reserve the right to change my name to change my nominee between now and the end of the episode, but I'm going to say lightning mode Megazord because it's a, it's a good trend. It's a good transformation Mm -hmm. and the suit is really nice. I love the mobility of it and, and yeah, it poses like Ultraman and I'm a sucker for that. Okay. It's, so, it's told, everything is fair. You know, everything. And there's is fair. some and there's some really nice action sequences that almost got the award mm. for power range of motion because it just works so well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so for our next award, <laughs> it's our more phenomenal Mad Lib, which it's the award we give uh, to the best line or a line that kind of stood out to us throughout yeah. this season. And this one <laughs> kind of ties into another award we're going to talk about in a minute, but it's a Lothor line. It's obviously had to be a Lothor line because Lothor had all the best lines in this season. Uh, yeah. I was like, okay, I'm not sure if I'm going to like Lothor, but then I found myself writing down. A, I actually found myself writing down a lot of lines from the villains. Cause there was so much sass and so and, many puns. And we, and it was, and, and I chose this one because it's what we kind of talked. We, we, we'd already said it early on in the episode, so I'm just basically going to repeat it. But we talked about early on in the episode where there was a lot of fourth wall breaks in this season yeah. and i feel like that Dead was really levels of fourth wall breakage oh yeah oh most definitely so this one is is the line from lothor it says what did you expect he was gonna get smaller he wasn't going to get smaller like, what did you expect he wasn't gonna get smaller you know? <laughs> and he does it by looking right at the camera right yeah he's so talking to the audience yeah so i mean it just it had to be a Lothor line. And again, uh, uh, it'll, that, that particular line will kind of dovetail into my next award. But before we get there, Nate, what was your uh, more phenomenal? Mad Lib? Like I said, there were so many, I went into this, I'm like, I'm not sure I'm going to like this season, but then I found myself writing down a lot of lines. <laughs> so, I've, And as I've said before, I tend to go, for, uh, when it comes to this nominee, I tend to go for lines that are profound, funny, or BA. Mm-hmm. And this one, I have two. I have a runner-up. And weirdly enough, none of them are the puns. You would have thought I would have grabbed one of the puns, but I didn't. But the I have one here. It's a Sensei and Cam exchange. This seemed kind of profound. And I feel like this is going to talk about potential. I feel like this is something that a lot of children need to be told. Mm-hmm. And because this is at a scene where Cam is getting tired of his dad telling him what to do. And he and he just says, "How old? No, how long does someone have to live to do whatever he wants?" To which his father, the guinea pig, replies, 
No one has ever lived that long, Cam. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a funny line, but also it's 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 astound it's astoundingly astute and profound. Yeah. And we could park there for a while, but I'm just we going could- to leave you with that. My <laughs> is from Capri and when I heard it I'm like did no one think about how that sounded or did they leave it in there so the parents watching the show could get a chuckle <laughs> I couldn't believe that they let this slide which is and I'm probably reading too much into it because we need more dirty jokes in the show uh, that's where Capri says they blow them and we grow them because <laughs> oh, they're referring to the Power Rangers blowing up the monsters and then they use the scroll to grow them because they only grow the monsters after they get blown up <laughs> just like do you guys realize what that sounds like <laughs> hello i'm 12 <laughs> more covert dirty jokes in power rangers is more than welcome <laughs> uh, especially when they're clever like that i will say yeah, anyway sure. speaking of unexpected I, I i can't believe that happened for the craziest moment by the way you stole all of these from henshin men i just i forgot to bring that shtick up but anyway we I <laughs> borrowed and perfected move on yeah, move on. All right. What did you have? Craziest I, moment. I had, like I said, this kind of my last award kind of dovetailed into this one where my I, I, I can't believe that happened, which we give to the craziest moment is literally is just all the fourth wall breaks and all the and, fourth yeah, it's wall not just break before, It's the Rangers. It's the Rangers. It's our ancillary characters. It's. It's just everybody is just yeah. is just breaking the fourth wall in this. Yeah, and it's one something- of my favorite from Shane is he's like, "What? Didn't we already do a clone story?" <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's again this like this is kind of the proving ground to see if this kind of stuff. Oh, works. dude, we forgot to bring up how the Mammoth Zord is like the Dragon Zord. It's summoned by music. They play oh. guitar. It is summoned by music. Oh my God. We totally forgot that. Oh, I feel so terrible. That was, but that kind of goes back to some, I I can't believe that happened because suddenly all the Rangers can play guitar. Where was Kira? Kira could have done this. She plays guitar. They're multifaceted. (laughs) They're multifaceted. They can skate. They can surf. They can, uh, they can dirt bike. They can play guitar. Yeah. It is weirdly metal that, you play a guitar and summon a giant robot mammoth. Uh-huh. Anyway, continue. Fourth walls. Fourth walls. Like, like we have seen Ninja Storm has so many, like, like you said, it has Deadpool levels of fourth wall breaks within this series. And that's something we haven't seen a whole lot of. We've seen it some, but we haven't seen a whole lot of it in Power Rangers up to this point because Power Rangers has pretty has played it pretty straight up to this point. And again, this kind of goes back into the theme of kind of experimentation and, 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 you know, kind of moving towards your potential where I feel like Disney was doing a lot of experimentation with Ninja Storm that was, you know, uh, admittedly it was hit or miss. Like, again, there is, you know, this, this, 
a lot there's a lot of fans that love Ninja Storm, but there's also a lot of fans that hate Ninja Storm. I'm a little bit more indifferent towards it because I see what they were trying to do and although a lot of it was entertaining, it just didn't quite land with me. Mm-hmm. And and just all these fourth wall breaks, although funny, I feel like they still did it a little bit too much. Yeah, oh yeah, here's one from Blake. My advice to you, get a stunt double. Right. Yeah. Because all I was just the, going through, it's like, well, how many did I write down? Yeah. So like, we should have just, you know, we should have done. And then there's, I love Lothor, which is, <laughs> he makes a TV show to get people to love him. I always love it when TV shows do commentary on how TV is bad for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, what we should have done. We should have just made up a special. Oh, <laughs> the monster of the week says that's not in the script. <laughs> We should have made up like a special award just for this episode uh, dedicated to strictly counting down our favorite fourth wall breaks. Well, it's because not every season does that. That's why I said for this episode, you, you didn't hear that part. If you were, if you would, if you would listen more often, you would understand. (laughs) Who do we fight? Anyone not wearing a primary color. (laughs) Okay. That's funny. (laughs) <laughs> that's really funny but anyway nathan what was your i i i can't believe that happened award <sighs> well i i guess i'd ever run up for this one but uh this one is a little bit more, this one's somber, a little yeah. more serious <clears throat> yeah shane's nightmare mm-hmm. which we talked about yeah. magasiva committing suicide <clears throat> in the scene uh, in the episode that has isaac which the setting that he creates, some of the, the other nightmares are kind of played for laughs. Like uh-huh. Tori's of worst fear is getting a haircut. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> but <sighs> Shane's is actually kind of horrifying. He, in that episode, he meets his older brother who is actually Magasiva's actual older brother mm-hmm. in real life. And he feels like, He's was always in his older brother's shadow because his older brother is is successful at business and he's just the skater punk who's chasing success, hoping to, you know, but his brother doesn't know he's a power ranger. His brother sees him morph and realizes he's a power ranger. And when he gets the nightmare collar put on him by Isaac, he gets transported to what looks like a padded room full of eyes. And this is what they do for all of them. So that's horrifying enough. And then when you, but what's I found interesting compared to all the rest of them who were put in vulnerable positions for sure. Like they were upside down or, or strapped to something or whatever. They go out of their way to make Shane's even more horrifying. So we already got the setting, but he's basically stripped down to boxers. Mm -hmm. So he's incredibly vulnerable and his brother just walks around him and tells him, what a failure he is as a person reminds him what a disappointment he is. What a disappointment he is. Yeah. Which if I'm remembering the story correctly, uh, and I'm sure I, cause I haven't, well, I want to get this right. Hang on. Okay. So yeah, his older brother, by the way, was Robbie Magasiva. So his, his older, yeah, this, the his brother Shane's brother is pe- is played by Magasiva's real brother, 
in this season. And, and, you know, and Shane's brother is constantly reminding him that he's always going to be living in his shadow, that he's not good enough and that he's not worthy. He's, you know, he, you know, he should just give up, you know, that kind of stuff. And it does, it, it eerily mirrors real life events. That's just, it's a little bit kind of disturbing in a way because, you know, Maga Siva, after, you know, going through some, uh, very troubling things within his marriage and his relationships, um, decided like we talked about to commit suicide and no doubt that because of those mistakes and because of those things that he did, he probably did feel, um, you know, maybe unworthy, you know, he, he was a disappointment to his family. And it's just, this moment is just a really like in context of real life events, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. My understanding is that he struggled with mental illness and I think it, it just, it finally got to him. And I will admit to you, even out, even without all of that in there, that scene is still really unnerving. I remember just seeing a clip of it before I watched the show and I just thought, what in the heck is this? Yeah. And it's the most serious out of all of the nightmares. For sure. You know, so and it really stands out for what was a pretty light season, pretty lighthearted season. And then we get that scene where I'm just like, oh, it's, good it's, Lord. It's, a, it's a stark contrast for sure. And I'm just going to throw this in here because I feel like we ought, we, we need to, given the fact that you know, this is a tough subject. If any one of our listeners out there is experiencing any kind of mental health issue or you're feeling... um feeling like you can't go on any longer, please talk to somebody. Please get help. Please get help. Please, 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 by all, please do something about it to help yourself because yeah. it's a lot like taking that way out. I understand. I understand why people would think that it's the only way, but it's not. And you know, your life is worth living. So just if you ever find yourself in a situation where you're feeling like, like it's not worth continuing living, please do something about it. Seek help. Yeah. On a lighter note, right. My runner up <laughs> was kind of related to this. It was Mara fantasizing about being a pink wind power ranger. And I'm thinking you made a suit. You made a pink Ninja storm ranger suit and you only used it. Or that? What? <laughs> as far as I know, there wasn't a pink ranger in Hurricane Anger. So I don't believe. I don't believe so. I know. I, I don't believe there was a pink ranger. So this, which means to- they made a whole other costume just for one scene, mm-hmm. one shot. I mean, I I'm guess like, if they want, I guess if they wanted to, they could have filmed some footage. They could have, they, I guess they could have done, um, they could have went the Kaku Ranger, uh, Mighty Morphin season three route where it technically wasn't cat. It technically wasn't Catherine piloting the white Shogun Zord. Um, there technically wasn't a pink, uh, Shogun Zord. There was a white one. Uh, so they could have done something similar to that, I guess. Yeah. And it would have been interesting to see Mara switch sides because she likes Dustin. Yeah. 
Oh well, that wasn't her, what well, that wasn't the kind of thing this season wanted to do. Chasing her potential of finding true love. Who knows? And becoming a ranger. And becoming a ranger. So And we could have had another original American Power Ranger. Because they made the dang suit. <laughs> what could unless I'm told otherwise, I'm assuming they made it. A moment of mispotential, for sure. But Nathan, do you know what else only takes a moment? Oh, we're going to have our own lightning mode. No, we're going to get, we're no, we're going to say it's morphin time. This is the part of the show where we sum up everything that we've talked about, about this particular season we're discussing in one minute or less. So Nathan, uh, start the timer whenever you're ready. On your mark, get set. It's more of a top. So Ninja Storm, I'll go first. So Ninja Storm is an interesting season. It's definitely a transitionary season, but it's, and there's a lot of good things about it, but I feel like there's a, and where there is potential, I feel like there's a lot of mispotential as well with Ninja Storm. Like, I would I, agree with you there. I can I, see, this is, I this can is see a season shades. that I appreciate. Mm. and. I'm glad that it paved the way for a lot of things, but I'm going to be honest with you. There's not enough stuff here to make me come back to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is not you know? what I'm going to revisit. But this it's, is- I th- I've concluded this season just isn't for me. It's right. not turbo levels of bad. It's just not for me. It's just not for me. It's just not for me either. And I think that's, and that, you know that that's okay. Yeah, it is completely okay. If you love Ninja Storm, love Ninja Storm. Love it all as much as you want. It's fine. Time's up. So there we go. Lightning mode deactivate. Lightning mode deactivate. So Nate, that closes the book on Power Rangers Ninja Storm. Would you care to tell the listeners with (laughs) attitude what we'll be discussing next episode? And I already know what happens in that because <laughs> it's yes, quite. Power Rangers Dino Thunder, yes. which we recorded like two episodes ago yeah, we with, our that like friend, three weeks ago. with our friend, the now married Kaiju Kim mm-hmm. uh, of YouTube fame, mm-hmm. <laughs> who despite her, I mean, she is also a Godzilla fan and she is a Power Ranger fan and she personally requested Dino Thunder because mm-hmm. it's one of her favorites. And this will mark the first time in our podcast that we're having a guest on for a mainline episode. Indeed. So it was an interesting experiment, to say the least. Yeah, we went a little long, but who doesn't? Like, when have we never gone long? We've given permission, Michael. We're going long now, and I did not think we would record this long on Ninja Storm. But Uh, this is short for us. Pretty much. Yeah. This is like, we've not even, we've not even cracked the three hour mark yet. And this is, this is pretty short. We're not trying hard enough. We're not living up to our potential. Oh, there you go. Bring bring it all the way back around. Okay. But no, I'm, I, I really, 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 really enjoyed that discussion with our friend Kim. And I cannot wait um, until our listeners with attitude get to hear it. Yes, indeed. And now I can leave Ninja Storm behind and go watch SPD. <laughs> oh, you'll I'm I'm I had so much fun with SPD and you're going to love SPD. I know, you're a season ahead of me now and I find it mildly annoying. <laughs> 
So the, the journey through the Disney era continues. I'm I'm looking yep. forward. I'm looking forward to seeing how this yep. all shakes out at the end. Yep. On to the callous explosions. <laughs> and with that, listeners with attitude, may you never break wind, Ranger. No, no. No. <laughs> no. no. Just no. And may you break all the fourth walls. And may the power protect you. Thank you for listening to The Power Trip, a podcast produced and hosted by Michael Hamilton and Nathan Marching. If you'd like to send us feedback, email us at powertrippod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, where our handle is at The Power Trip Pod, and join our official Facebook group, Power Rangers Legacy. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and other great podcasters. The podcast logo was designed by Rebecca Hudgens. Follow her on Instagram at super underscore r underscore illustrations. Our theme songs are from the album Power of the Grid by Neil Stenson. We also use Galaxy Quest Instrumental by Heaven Wraith from the OC Remix album Jet Force Gemini Mizar Attacks. All film and audio clips belong to their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended or implied. The Power Trip has no association with Saban Entertainment or Hasbro. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and or Podchaser to spread the word about the show. And until next time, see ya! This podcast is part of the Kaiju Ramen Podcasting Network and is copyright 2022 Kaiju Ramen Media, LLC.